Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Jellyflea Creative. Go to jellyflea.com and find out all about the services Jellyflea uh, has to offer. A good buddy of mine, Kyle, Kyle Henderson, actually owns and started, founded Jellyflea. Since then, he's really grown his team. He has people in marketing, digital marketing, graphic design. He even has a photographer on staff. So no matter what you're designing, no matter what you're doing, you're going to have the people there to fit your needs. They actually build websites uh, is, is their foundation. It's where they really started, but they've moved through all sorts of custom services. They use modern uh, mobile-friendly websites using the latest industry standards. If you want something with intuitive navigation, something that keeps clutter off of that website where your customers can see exactly what they need, exactly what they get, exactly what they want, that's what Kyle's going to help you do. They do a great job. They're very attention to detail oriented when it comes to their customers, but they don't just do web design. Like I mentioned, they do have a photographer on staff. Sometimes you might think, man, I got a great idea for my website, but I actually just don't have the right things or the right images to do. Kyle comes with a good buddy of ours, Daniel Angulo. He'll get pictures, whatever you need. It even goes up in the air, in the air, on the ground, in a studio, in a house. It doesn't matter. Daniel Angulo does some great photography. You've heard him here on our show before. They also do things like search engine optimization. Your website will come up quicker, better. You will have people find you on the interwebs. Check out the guys and gals at Jelly. Flea.com. They do a wonderful job, attention to de- detail, and uh, really, really wonderful people. Gravity Lab Radio is also brought to you by the Rating Center. The Rating Center, we are a full-time rating school. We offer coach courses, AFF courses, and tandem courses, and we offer them wherever you want to be. We're based out of Spaceland Houston, and that is where a majority of our courses go. Uh, in the past year, we've uh, kind of had a little problem running some of our Dallas courses, but we are now getting a full-time coach examiner in Dallas, so that'll be running full-blown again as of this month. But also with the influx of staff and what we've been building, we can now ro- uh, offer regularly traveling courses. If you want a coach course or a tandem course anywhere in the world, we'd be happy to send our examiners to you, take care of you, top-level professional examiners who care a lot. One of the things I require of our examiners is a passion, not just a passion for the sport, but especially a passion for the people. And the folks you will meet with the Rating Center have both of those. Hit us up. You can find us on the ratingcenter.com. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a call. Give us a holler. Let us know what you're looking for. Even if you don't know if you're ready for a course or it's something in the future, it's never too late to plan. Hit me up, let me know, and we will do our best to get you guided in the right direction. Tonight's guest is a good buddy of ours, Blake Barton. Blake has actually worked at Skydive Spaceland in the past. He has since been traveling. He has actually been a tunnel instructor for a while in Florida. He has been working on and off around here and there. He hails from the Tennessee area. Lots of fun jumping at uh, West Tennessee Skydiving, Mike Mullen's place. Great guy, great place. And uh, he's back at Spaceland. We've been talking about having him on the show, and uh, tonight we finally get that opportunity. So tune in. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting. All <laughs> I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Oh, did I miss it? <laughs> I'm doing Shit. mustache noises. I was but. just starting to rub my mustache. Against it's the like the ASMR stuff. 
Oh my really comforting. god! It is. Let, can so we have weird. a moment of silence and we just all? Do can we? Yeah, do yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so much whisker rubbing. BQ, really if you just got turned on by that, you creep me out, you son uh, of a bitch. Balake, Mr. Blake Barton, how are you doing, my friend? Hi there, I'm great. How are you? Doing good, man. We, uh, You worked at Space Land for a while. Yep. You've been gone for a while, and we've talked about when you visit, you need to come be on the show. And you said, sure. Yeah. I saw you three weeks ago, I believe. Gave yeah. me a giant hug, and if people know me, I'm not much of a hugger, but when I see a good friend like you in a while, I got to. I'm honored. And uh, I said, hey, bro, you want to be on the show? You're like, yeah, I'm here forever. Let's be on the show. <laughs> yeah. So welcome back. I got back. time. Thank you. Yeah. Where have you been? I've been uh, in Florida for most of the time. Spent a little time uh, back home in Tennessee, and now I'm here. I was at the wind tunnel in Florida. Orlando? Uh, Tampa. Tampa. I fly. Yep. I fly Tampa. So let's go a little bit backwards in the story. You came to Houston at first. You were a full-time videographer here at Spaceland. Yeah. You've also done some STP and AFF. You've just done it more as needed than anything. Right. Um, kind of easy to say it wasn't your cup of tea, so you helped out where you needed but didn't prefer it. Yeah, exactly. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Okay. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is doing things you don't want to do yeah, and doing sure. things you want to do. Yeah. Um, but at some point you wondered, man, what if I become a tunnel instructor? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the other big topic I want to talk about today is, is so many people live their lives on what ifs and so many people live their lives on regrets of, I never tried that. Yeah, I guess so. And you said, you know what? Fuck it. I want to try it. You yeah. want to become a tunnel instructor. Yeah, yeah. Went for it. Tried so, it out. So A, when did this thought come to you at all? Uh, when I kind of uh, left here and it was like late. 2016 when I left here and it was a really weird like transition. I was kind of thinking about starting school somewhere, like getting a real job and I just wasn't really ready to stop working in the sport. So I was thinking about like what would really benefit me, what could like, you know, kind of push me to another, another level of things I hadn't done in the sport, uh, which I'd never really been a free flyer. I'd never like, I just started doing uh, work jumps really early on and I was Kind of curious to see what that would be like, teaching myself how to fly my body. And so I started thinking about that, and one of my buddies worked in Tampa and told me to apply, and that was that was it. Like, they called me, like, three days later. And so I just went out. I was like, I'm going to go for it. It was pretty fun. Did you do FITP out there in Tampa? I did it in Orlando. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's how does the Orlando tunnel compare to the Tampa um, tunnel? We were in the newer Orlando tunnels, which are, like, the two... Uh, 12s right beside each other. They're 12s? Yeah, like okay. two, 10 feet from each other right there. Um, and it was pretty cool, uh, but definitely way different than the 14 in Tampa. Um, they're those, you know, those little teacup-shaped mm-hmm. tunnels that um, they diffuse really quickly. For and first-time flyer machines, more Yeah, or less. definitely, yeah, like uh, bouncing up and down off the net, you know, doing the high-flight stuff. And then uh, I really had no tunnel time before FITP. Like, I was, like, back flying. Like, they were teaching me all the basics and stuff, walking around. What was and your FITP like? Because I've heard I've heard some people describe it almost as like boot camp, and I've yeah. heard some people describe it a lot less uh, severe than that. I guess uh, I guess it really depends on who you get who's uh, teaching the FITP because uh, some Which people is, uh, do f- flight instructor training program. Yeah, right? yeah. For yeah. those who aren't aware. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the flight instructor training program. Um, yeah, it was pretty chill for me. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was hard. You know, it was hard stuff to learn, and I really had to like. Uh, push myself through some new stuff, but 
compared to what some other people have experienced, I think mine was pretty tame. Like, we just kind of hung out. We had a good time, you know. Were you guys doing nighttime sessions or was uh, it daytime? Early morning, like 4 in the morning to like noon. So, okay. Yeah, That's some of it during business hours. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we, you know, we started to kind of watch how things were done, how the other instructors would handle things. I'm curious because a lot of the older school tunnel instructors will say they were the hardcore boot camps like Nick just inferred. Yeah. And and some people will say they've gotten easier. And I'll, I'll compare it for a second to the world of AFF. So many old school skydivers will say your success rate for AFF courses are way higher than ours used to ever be because you guys make it too easy. And my answer is very simple. You guys used to come in and evaluate. Hey, Blake, welcome to your AFF course. We're going to test you. You're either ready or you're not. Yeah, yeah. So they were straight certification. Today, they're training and certification. We try to train you. We try to prepare you. We try to help you understand what you're doing. So the success rate is higher and it appears easier because we're actually training people. Yeah. I wonder if FITP is kind of had that same problem. I wonder if that stigma of harder or easier, it's becoming easier to people's opinion because we're training you better we're talking to you better we understand the psychology of it better right yeah i think uh that kind of goes both ways i think they've like learned a lot more about you know uh, it's evolved a lot over the last few years i think they've learned how to make really good instructors and also i'm sure it does kind of probably let some people through that maybe shouldn't you know necessarily be an instructor but i mean one girl in my fitp she didn't you know she didn't make it through i mean it's still it was it was kind of tough like it weeded people out Mm -hmm. but yeah i guess uh i guess it was kind of kind of grueling at times so you've had quite a few friends who've worked in the tunnel right yes but even before you your adventure there yeah um i guess like uh my buddy who got me the job was actually like my childhood friend like we knew each other from like fifth grade you know like we all went to church together um me and these other two guys actually they're tunnel instructors now i started skydiving in 2008 um, I kind of like pushed this other guy to try, you know, getting into it. And he started like two years after me and he went to Oklahoma city and worked for iFly OKC. And then our buddy Rob, uh, was just out in Dallas and he was working, I think like at Dick sporting goods or something. He was just like looking for something else. Super like athletic dude. And, uh, we told him just try the wind tunnel and you know, that he went out there and loved it. And then that's how he ended up like transferring to Tampa and then he's the one who told me, like, hey, we're looking for an instructor. Come apply. And that so, was it. So do you feel like uh, it lived up to your expectations of what it was going to be like to become a tunnel instructor? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I knew it was going to be super challenging uh, learning, you know, not only, like, to fly, but learning, like, how to, like, spot people and, like, teach people and, you know, be aware of the whole everything around you. Like, I'd never been, you know, really in the wind tunnel, so it was a lot for me to really, like, learn to be aware of you know a lot of new things but uh yeah definitely uh lived up to my expectations for sure how long was fitp uh a month okay mm. so how how did you feel taking that first class of live students did you feel pretty ready terrified yeah <laughs> i mean i was like you know i knew i had like all the necessary tools but you know like they always told us like it's not going to be it's, it's going to be an ongoing learning process the first one's you know it's going to be weird it's going to be rough but they were like the main things were like uh, just cleaning up my preparation and like my briefing and stuff like that, and you know, rallying up the people, like making sure everybody's where they need to be and stuff. I mean, you're just hurting cats all the time, you know. But first class, yeah, it was terrifying. 
uh, slowly got used to it. I was always super, you know, I didn't have a lot of spots or anything because I was just like overly like stressed out about having spots. So, you know, I was just always by the book, like side body the whole time. Really boring instructor, but had a, a lot of fun. You uh, had some experience as an AFF instructor already. Yeah. And you said the hard part was really kind of training, the briefing. Yeah, yeah. How much do you think your skydiving, how much do you think your skydiving experience helped the process? Um, I think it helped a little bit. I think they both kind of helped each other in the end. Like now I feel like, you know, a little more prepared all around. But um, that's always been the challenging part for me is just like really, you know, getting my points across and, you know, really like properly preparing someone to make a skydiver to get in the wind tunnel. I was always just kind of like a, you know, a watch learner, you know. So yeah. my way of teaching people mostly in the tunnel was like I get in front of them, you know, show them how to do something. I really like one of the things you said a second ago is you were a boring instructor. Yeah. You're my favorite type of instructor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So many instructors are like, oh, I got this. I got all these great oh shit stories. Yeah. If you have so many oh shit stories, how did they get there? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, in the world of AFF, did you fly the same way? Did you Were you still very cautious and a little bit? overprotective at points uh i think so yeah definitely uh definitely was like over i just i overthought everything you know like i overbreathed, i overprepared everything you know uh not only like for like from the point of the student but like for me you know like i was always like second guessing everything i did too you know like making sure i didn't forget something or you know steer them down the wrong road i was always just super super paranoid about that stuff but i guess it kind of made me a decent instructor do you ever worry about overtraining a student like giving them too much information to where they don't remember the important stuff because none of it stands out yeah i think that is like i think that's a thing you know i think that people do that a lot Uh, a lot of my really good friends that are great coaches and instructors uh they kind of would do that to uh students like first timers that don't know what's going on like they don't know you know about keeping pressure on your shins and stuff like that, you know, like yeah, legs, legs straight, chin up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like give them every student. Just hold still. That's all I'd ask them to do. Just please hold still. Can I do a flip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> do you hear oh, that? You're a gymnast a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm a, I'm a gymnast. I can do flips. I can do a standing back tuck. Can I do it in the wind tunnel? No. <laughs> I mean, you can technically, but it's going to hurt. <laughs> I, I would at some point get really frustrated and just say yes. And watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and sometimes it, there's uh, some really good footage of people just hucking flips. Oh yeah, end up in that folder. Yeah, sometimes people would, you know, like really want to try, you know, like doing stuff, and like they'd really like try to get away from me and stuff. So I just kind of give them like a few extra inches and let them, you know, <laughs> let them see what happens. So I have actually felt a tandem student on an exit try to front flip me out of a plane. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The student asked me time and time again. It's happened a couple times. Well, yeah. I'll flip. I'm like, oh man, you know, whatever bullshit line I would give them <laughs> and leave the plane. And you can feel and you can even see in the video where their energy was going forward. I'm like, mm, you're stuck to me and I'm not doing that. So sorry. <laughs> um, I really love the, the question you brought up, Nick, about overtraining. And I we, we had a poll one time that was at a drop zone where a lot of people had paid for their first jump and did their class, but they didn't come back and make the jump. And these students were all called and said, why haven't you been back? Like, hey, you got to jump on your account. Come on and jump. We'd rather not just hold your money. We'd rather have you skydive. Yeah. And a large number of them said, I didn't feel like I'm prepared enough. I feel like I'm not ready enough. You know, the class was great. I learned a lot of good information, but I just don't feel like I'm ready. Yeah. So out of curiosity, we did a poll or we didn't do a poll, but we pulled aside and saw who all the instructors were. 
and there were two instructors who were dominantly the instructors of the students who felt underprepared. Okay. And both of those instructors had the longest, most thorough, most comprehensive classrooms. Yeah. I really think that's the proof in the pudding, man. You yeah. Give them just enough to survive. Legs out, chin up. Yeah, yeah. You give them too much, and they're going to feel yeah overwhelmed and, and you know ultimately underprepared, I guess, because they didn't really retain the important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was filming you filming things. Oh, good. Well, I may or may not be getting a video ready for the film uh, festival, so... Oh, my go. God. May or may not be good. So, Balake, you actually hang out in the video room. I do. Has he let you see any sneak peek at this film? Yeah, of course. Yeah. How I've been awesome it, is it going to be? It yeah. really is hard for me to not spoil the surprise when I'm working on something that I'm really excited yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, right there. And you're excited about this, no doubt, because... Yeah, I mean, because I get it. I'm naked in the video, which is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Wynn just went, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy might also be in the video. <laughs> naked. <laughs> and he replays the, the clip he's working on. He replays it like 300 times, so I get to see him naked 300 times. Dude, Cisco's in there shirtless. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, boys. I may or may not have had a, an attractive woman show me her breasts earlier. You're gorgeous. May or may not make it into the video. Oh, dude, that's got to be in. That's got to be We're in. We're going to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Can you put boobies in that video? There's probably a video <laughs> of me you catching a cutaway. You to your boobies. <laughs> oh, my God, you did. Uh, you said you're going to put that catch of the cutaway on there. Oh, that's got to make it, dude. dude that's got to make it. Uh, oh, yeah. On my reserve ride today, freaking, um, uh, what's uh, Steph's like, hey, you think I can catch the free bag? And she still didn't. I mean, she was so close, she could have caught it, and she still didn't catch it. <laughs> you know, I honestly <laughs> thought about... Uh, okay, so I'm going to put some backstories so people can uh, can understand what we're talking about. We've been doing some more intentional cutaways for the MARD testing for Velocity. I don't think any of that's a secret, right? Nope, not about a secret this. anymore. Okay, so uh, Jeremy had a cutaway, and we've actually started to be slightly less terrible about getting the trash <laughs> to land on the drop zone. <laughs> I think the furthest away from the drop zone we've gone was, what, two miles? Yeah. yeah. So Ooh, that, awesome. was, that was winter testing that was early this year. Super heavy winds, campy, wouldn't deflate. So DJ was on the four-wheeler ready to go, ready nice. to, to chase this cutaway. He's watching it from, this, from, uh, from the ground when we actually did it. And I get down and I land and I see it coming and I'm still talking to Jeremy on the on the radio because we have comms in the helmets. Right. And I'm like, dude, I think I can get it. I think <laughs> I get it. And I saw it where DJ had parked the four-wheeler and gotten off the four-wheeler. So my plan was I was just going to race him to it. <laughs> and then as I realized I had a camera on, I was like, okay, maybe it's funnier to get the shot of him catching it, but still had the thought of... Just fucking tackling. That would have been so awesome. Yes. Me catch it, you yeah. tackle me. I would have high five that. And then you get up with a dislocated shoulder and yeah, it just doesn't work out for everybody. Lives. That's already happened to me before. Yeah, exactly. Let's not do that again. Yeah, so I did get the shot though. <laughs> That's pretty good, dude. I did catch the canopy. First of all, I parked the four wheeler way too far away. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want the four wheeler or the canopy to hit the quad because the exhaust might burn the can. Whatever different reasons. Yeah. So I parked Smart. it like close, but not too close when i got the four-wheeler took a couple steps i'm like oh i better start jogging and after i jogged a little bit like oh i better start running my ass off (laughs) i was way further away than i thought i should have been (laughs) so uh i did catch it there's a five pound weight on the system oh i think i think it's five is it i think it's like two oh yeah i thought it was five it might be two so there is a little lead so we're putting a the campy wants to stay inflated and fly away yeah. So a guy named Jeff Witt, uh, Fluffy, super smart guy, says, hey, we'll carry a beaner away to the toggle. It's 
light enough that it won't pull the toggle down, so it won't give us deflection. But it's heavy enough that when the canopy is cut away, it'll collapse the canopy and bring it straight down. Oh, nice. So I'm underesting going like, I don't want to get hit by the weight. Two pounds. I don't want to get hit by the weight. I want to get hit by the weight. So I'm just and snagged out of the sky and then just dumped under the canopy. <laughs> so, I, man, I'm horrible at catching fly balls. Yeah. Like I played outfield at some point and they very quickly said, you're the catcher because you, you can catch it thrown straight at you. But yeah. if it's not thrown straight at you, you got no chance. <laughs> So I'm pretty stoked I caught this canopy. Pretty stoked. Yeah, nice job, man. I want to see that clip. Yeah, it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, it'll be uh, I think in the film festival video. Uh, if I can find a place for it, yeah, it's part of the plan. Oh, dude. So Aaron oh. Dira Sanchez. Yep. Uh, free swoop shorts from Itande Wee. Oh shit. Skyflower. Oh, those out. like denim ones. Um, we are not going textile on these. Oh, dude, Aww. she had some denim swoop shorts today that were great. Oh, did she really? Yeah. I thought you were making a text joke. No, but that's pretty great, too. Yeah, dude. The country uh, tuxedo, the cowboy tuxedo. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, dude, I didn't. I got to see those. Man, she makes some really good stuff. Yeah. So Styling. Yeah. Um, dude, I just totally sidetracked. I meant to ask you about this next week or last week. But yeah, you pulled that up too. It is storming like yeah, a mofo a outside yeah. my house. Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I actually s- hoping the power doesn't go out. So if you're watching in Facebook land and we disappear, I lost electricity. <laughs> um, dude, have you seen uh, up yours? No, that's not the name of the channel. Uh, it's Braden's YouTube <laughs> thing he did going? last week. Um, oh yeah, yeah. One more up, up one more. So, hey, you what? know. Braden did this thing on YouTube recently. Do you know anything on what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Nick will tell us the name of the channel, but Braden has got this great idea. And first of all, he's got a personality. Of he course. He should be on TV. He should have a YouTube channel. He should be doing something. Yeah, I've always thought so. Um, he really was an inspiration to part of this show. Uh, had he, if he was local, he would be here all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had this great idea. He's going to go find some random person, convince them that they're going to do a tandem skydive, drive them to the drop zone, take them on a jump. So he started the first episode with his when a guy he trains with, a guy he works out with who helps him. He's like, hey, he keeps talking about doing it. He doesn't have time. Braden goes into the fucking gym like, okay, he's in there. He's in there. Comes I, back out. I believe it's just called going up. Going up. That's up years. I was so close. Up years. And then like Brad Womack is helping him with video. Tommy nice. Miller okay, cool. is at the DZ. Good crew. And uh, so he go, he go, he goes in the gym. Yeah, dude's in there. Comes back out. All right, let's go. Let's go. Walks in and says, hey, dude, you ready to go on a skydive? Right there in the gym, harnesses him up. They hop in a car. <laughs> they go to the DZ, meet at the plane. They got the rig ready for him. Takes this dude on a tandem skydive. Awesome. I mean, just completely random. And from the sounds of it, his goal is to do this regularly. And I think at some point with complete strangers. Like, hey, you want to make a skydive? Yeah. Let's go. That's a great idea. So have you watched that episode? I did. Yeah, he sent it to me a couple months ago. Okay. And I offered a few critiques. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought they did a really good job. Man, I'm curious because I remember our first episode and I want to take it down. I don't, but I do because compared to what we've learned, it's dog shit. Yeah, it's dog shit. Um, yeah. but it's cool to see I, I, Joe Rogan's I've listened to his first episode it's dog shit sorry Rogan you're a fucking god to what we do but it, yeah, it he's was gonna, crap he's gonna hear this and be so bad. oh he's gonna he <laughs> listens to us every <laughs> week right every week um, so man this is a solid start dude check it out what's it called again going up going down going down just kidding <laughs> up yours <laughs> up yours uh, I, I gotta send a plug out there for it man if you're listening Go. to the show you know the dude Braden yeah, check I just, it out I just wanted to break Smith's uh, Facebook profile profile it was on there but they're they're hosting it on on youtube going up cool 
I'll put a link in the comments, y'all. Oh, what a on sweet, the socials. What a sweetie. Hit on the social. Link up the social, bro. Bruh. <laughs> so back to it, man. You went to FITP. What was the hardest part of FITP? Um, I think just uh, learning how to use the wind to move around instead of trying to walk around and do stuff. Trying to go grab people by like running at them. Yeah, you know, how hard is that to trick your brain into thinking the other way? Yeah, it was really weird. I still even sometimes I'd be in there, you know, I'd have to like remind myself when I go into like a situation where I stop thinking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was weird. It was tough. Did you have a difficult time learning to walk around on the net? Gosh, I learned to walk quite a while ago, and I remember slamming myself into the glass. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. And I I slammed myself into the glass not not all that long ago, so yeah I, I'm not great at it. Let's say that I don't <laughs> think I wouldn't say I'm the best person at walking around on the net. Part of what um, they did with me at Dallas to get me checked out to do AFF instructor training in the tunnel was to first get me to walk around on the net. Yeah, and very quickly Dan I forget his last name right now was like, dude, you know how to walk on the net. You're fine. You're good to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, I for whatever reason didn't realize it was supposed to be hard. Um, yeah. Now I think I've told you guys years ago I worked in a portable tunnel with a buddy helped him helped them build it got to fly in it and we and I was one of the only people who helped them so I actually stood in there while people flew. So I wonder and I and I can't remember if I just walked around in that tunnel enough that it made sense to me. I you know what I mean it, I, it, I yeah, think yeah, like w- walking around at like 60% like at a slow belly speed is for sure a lot different than walking around at 90%. Yeah, definitely. You can I mean when the wind speed is low you yeah. still can muscle your way through it and, and unless you're really exposing a lot of your body you're not going to really get lift up off the net so much as it's just going to push you back from the direction that you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. But uh, at 60%, I could lay flat on the net and stay flat on the for, net. For sure, <laughs> yeah. 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 And really, I think about it because I've done a lot of walking at 70 to 75. Um, and now I think about the times that like you and I have flown together and I need to stop for one second because I have such horrible form and I'm inefficient and I'm worn the fuck out. And I stand on the net and yeah, it definitely... It's because I've not f- walked a lot at high speeds, I guess. Yeah, when the speed's up and you get tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first couple times I really went in there, like, high speeds, just standing there. I was like, I had to, like, find a neutral, you know, like, without getting, like, the speed wobbles back okay. and forth or something. It was a little weird at first. That makes it weird. Uh, so, walking around, you found to be the hardest part? Uh, I don't think that was necessarily the hardest part. It was, like, uh, just learning how to not, you know, go against the wind. Like, learning how to use the wind to, like help me you know grab somebody or help me get somewhere into the wind tunnel and easiest part of fitp for you um probably or most enjoyable also yeah i guess most enjoyable yeah um i don't know probably just fitp was cool because like we'd always have those little breaks where we get in there and kind of fly around a little bit like we'd do some little lines on our back or you know like do a little head up or something and that was like the most fun part of it for me but um, I think the the easiest thing that came to me was like controlling people, just because you know, kind of a kind of a monster in there, you know. I'm like, if I don't want to want them to get away from me, I'm just gonna grab them really hard. So that was kind of easy, like the controllability stuff, keeping somebody from you know going forwards or backwards. And one thing you and I have spoke about recently is is you do have an AFF rating, and, and we'll talk more about the desire to use it or not use it. Right, but. Do you think this has given you the ability to be a better AFF instructor? I think so, for sure. I think uh, 
uh, high flight training uh, really helped my ability to like fly with another body and control it for sure. I think that part definitely would have benefited my AFF. And now I, I guess this is going to bleed from one conversation to the other and kind of go back and forth. You're not necessarily excited about doing AFF again. It's something you're like, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. Yeah, you know, I go back and forth. Like I kind of feel guilty about not wanting to do it, you know. Um, but it's just like something that every time I start doing it, I just it's like a part of the sport that I've never like super been into. You know, I've just never really like enjoyed it as much as the other things I do. Is it that you don't enjoy it, or is it that you don't understand it and you're afraid of it? Is uh, it maybe it may be kind of a little bit of that. I'm just always like I've always been a super like high anxiety, high stress person, you know, and it just doesn't really mesh well with my personality. I think <laughs> it just kind of kind of ruins a little bit of it for me. Now, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. If you're high yeah. stress, high anxiety, you probably shouldn't take a high anxiety type of job. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and really, one of the things, oh man, I I, I kind of lost the way I was going to ask this, but you don't you feel guilty not doing this? Why do you feel guilty not doing? Um, you know, like this part of it's like uh, I you know I want to help the I want to be like a team player and help everybody out with yeah. stuff. You know, um, I think that's some of it, but most of it's just like. I'm just like, you know, pissed off that I don't want to do it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, all your friends enjoy this. Why don't you? Everyone's you know, doing it, Blake. Yeah. You do know? the fucking program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, and I really hate the idea that you feel guilty because there's no reason why you should. Yeah, you know, yeah. But I'll get over it, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things I've always, you know, I always kind of want to be there, you know, like right with everybody else helping them out, you know, helping them pull their weight and stuff. Yeah. And I, I really, I want to deep dive in this conversation some, and, and you and I have had this conversation enough, so it's really, I don't think for you or me, but I, I want to share this thought process with other friends. Yeah, definitely. Because so many people do things because they feel guilty, and that's just not the right reason to do it. Yeah. And and you shouldn't feel guilty into doing it, and if you do something you don't want to do, how quickly will you quit doing all of it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's why I'm just kind of taking a break from all that. And uh, it was kind of the same way instructing in the wind tunnel. You know, I really liked working for the wind tunnel. Um, I liked flying, but the job part of it just wasn't, it was kind of the same category as AFF for me. You know, like it just kind of didn't really, you know, it was kind of making me think some things about the sport, you know, that I shouldn't think, you know. Like what? Like, I don't, it was just kind of making me like, uh, I don't want to say like get close to being burned out, you know, but... I guess that's kind of the road I was going down, you know, like almost kind of like the whole sport in general is kind of starting to, you know, uh, think thoughts of like, you know, quitting everything. And so that's when I was like, nope, like I'm just going to have to go do what I love to do. Man, there's nothing wrong with owning that idea that you were almost burnt out. Yeah, yeah. That it puts you, I've, I've been in that stage in that place before. And owning it is part of what's going to man. I wonder if people are hearing this at all. Yeah, on yeah. if you guys are hearing that's these, crazy these lightning yeah. bolts that are not hitting very far from us. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty is, intense. Like camping right behind my ah, house, we have regular lightning. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have regular lightning strikes in the field right behind my house. Oh yeah. So it's more. It's it's not uncommon that I just shit my drawers in the dude. We uh, in Florida, we our front yard got struck by lightning. Like I, I think it was a tree. But it uh, blew up, like, the entire sprinkler system and everything. Like, the little controller in the garage yeah. blew off the wall. And we saw, like, oh, smoke in the garage. Dang. We were like, oh, shit. Like, it struck the house. Like, I thought something in the house was on fire. And uh, we went out the next day, like, kind of looking around, see if we could figure out what got struck. 
and we couldn't really tell. But then, like three days later, later the uh, the whole top of this palm tree just fell off, and it was like oozing sap and stuff. And we're like, ah, that's it. And like three trees died. Have you ever heard of a lightning fault line? No. So I do not know what to make of this idea or this story. I moved to Indiana to be around my family for a while. Stayed with my uh, parents for three months or so. And right across the street from their house, there's this creek. If you're from West Tennessee, you get creek. Um, A creek that flowed. And really, I worked at a Ford dealership during those few months. And the creek actually went from by my parents' house through there. And everybody in the area said it's a lightning fault line. Lightning strikes that creek area nonstop. And, dude, anytime lightning was in the area, it, it would strike right there across the street from my parents' house. That's really weird. Right behind the Ford dealership. Um, if you are hearing all these Holy crackles shit. in our headset, Holy I'm uncomfortable. I kind of, I'm kind of worried about having electrical headsets yeah, on my I ears right now. Yeah, I definitely felt the crackles in that Yeah, one. you can hear it. Uh, yeah. Holy shnikes. I see the window we're at like every. Up. We're at like a close one every three seconds right now. Yeah. Dude, Nick, I saw you pull up the radar. Holy. Yeah, have it's, you, it's a mess, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like my gear all fucking red as shit, dude. <laughs> so... Well, I, I still want to hear some positive things about yeah. the wind tunnel. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to be, uh, you know, no. No, I'm and I get it. But I, I really did want to fish for some of the challenges because yeah. it's so easy for like a new flyer, a new skydiver to be like, oh, I'm going to fucking go work in the tunnel and it's going to be right Because it's fun to go fly in the tunnel when yeah. you're a skydiver. It's fun to go fly in the tunnel when you're, you know, when you're a customer of the place. Definitely. But the, the other side is a little bit different. So that's yeah. why I kind of wanted to fish for some of those answers. But, yeah. But there's this like lurking idea in the back of my brain somewhere that's like hey man you should be an instructor someday only because all the sickest flyers that i know have yeah. spent a really really large amount of time in the wind tunnel right yeah so uh, what what did you like about it what uh what um, were the benefits of the job i really liked uh just you know being in the wind it was fun you know like uh flying around with people doing high flights was really fun i got to you know belly fly a little bit um Learning to do things was, you know, probably my favorite part. Just learning how to fly my body was, like, my favorite part of the whole job. It was really cool. What, um, what was your flying like when you started working there? Uh, like, nothing. I didn't know how to do anything, really. I was starting from, like, the ground up. I was starting from, like, back flying. And so, like, I really, like, built on everything. Like, I could do, I could huck some stuff in the sky, you know, but I was, you know, terrified to try any of that stuff in the wind tunnel. So when I first started, uh, you know, they were teaching me on my back, and I was doing some head-up stuff, and then... I started uh, just really working on a bunch of, like, dynamic moving around stuff. I didn't do a whole lot of, like, you know, head down on the net or anything. I just uh, started carving and doing layouts and stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun, you know. It started really badly, of course, you know, just, like, total foreign, you know, positions. Like, so not used to, like, you know, uh, head up out face, you know, like knee flying. You know, that was really rough for me. Like exposing that front part of my body and like you know how much everything mattered, it was really challenging, but it was pretty cool to see you know the progress. It's so slow you don't feel like you're learning anything, and then you watch like a video of yourself a month ago and like wow I've come a long way. So my flying was yeah pretty much ground level when I got there, and uh, when I left I was you know I learned a lot. It's completely different. Did you work on static stuff at all in your time there? I did uh, not till later on. Like I was doing some layouts and I was like you know what. I'm just going to try to like stop in the middle up here. And I started kind of flying shelf that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was just like, oh, this is really cool. And, you know, I'm just hovering around on my head. And I thought that was really fun. So I started doing a little VFS and 
wanted my head up to be really strong for the sky, you know, because I kind of like to do some records or something one day. And so I did a bunch of a uh, bunch of head up too. But uh, static stuff was pretty. It was pretty interesting to me. So yes. I, I noticed that with with head up stuff, especially head up static stuff, like people who have worked in the tunnel, like it really shows. Yeah, definitely. That's like the the position where you're going to be able to tell. So what yeah. do you have? Uh, how do you think about upright flying? Do you uh, um, like? Do you have any strategies about what what you know tricks that you have to make it work well? Uh, yeah, I guess you know, like it was it was really hard. It was head up flying was like the hardest thing for me to learn, really. Like good head up flying, mm-hmm. um, and so mine was always like uh, I was always just constantly scanning my body up and down, like thinking what I'm like. Am I using my arms too much? Am I not flying my legs? Uh, that was the big thing, flying my legs. You know, like learning how to like really use my legs to, you know. Uh, be able to reach around and get docks and stuff mm-hmm. and flying, you know, outside of the conventional, like, boxy, like, Right, the position, 90 degree you know? hips. And yeah, things. exactly. It seems like the good flyers that I see are using a lot of the insides of their legs. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, the insides. Almost like there's a, like you're rotating like your... Like a horse. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you're riding a horse. Riding a saddle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my buddy David Lang would always tell me. He's like, it's like you're squeezing the air between your legs and riding a horse, you know? And it was really difficult at first, but it was... But you tamed the horse. Yeah, I tamed that Bronco. <laughs> yeah, took my horse to the Old Town Road. You got to break him somehow. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, uh, <laughs> did, did you set goals through through your learning process at the tunnel, or was it just kind of like you, you were... Maybe a vision board? Um, I guess I could... <laughs> I could have been more, like, organized about, like, setting specific goals and stuff. It probably would have helped my you know, be like me being more satisfied with my progression, you know, if I like set goals instead of just like my goal is just to not suck, you know, like my goal is like to be really good. So it was like, you know, that's always like somebody's goal, right? That's always like kind yeah, we're of all trying to suck. suck less. Yeah. Right. That's always kind of almost un- unattainable. Cause like my buddies who were like really good, you know, accomplished flyers told me like, that's always a thing. You know, like every time you think you've gotten to the place you want to get to. There's always somewhere else to go. Yeah, there's always someone else with straighter legs than you. Exactly, yeah. Those goddamn straight legs. How was it? Uh, was iFly pretty supportive? Like, uh, It seems like tunnels are different as far as how they allow the staff to take advantage of their flight benefits. Um, like some tunnels that are really busy don't have as much time for people to get in. Yeah, but um, um, some tunnels are different. Well, some of them, we didn't fly as much as a lot of them. We didn't get to fly a whole lot. Um, we had a manager that was kind of like strict about, you know, all the flight time and stuff. Um, but some wind tunnels like Fort Lauderdale, we went down there and visited one time and these guys are just like, every time the tunnel was empty, they were in there flying, you know? And we were like really, uh, uh oh, are we still good? Yeah, we're still recording. We just got a weird little blip on there. That was scary. Perfect. Yeah, anybody who's watching on yeah. Facebook has lost uh-huh. us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're definitely gone. At least we're on a laptop yeah. recording. So we've, we've got that good to go. So uh, keep going. Uh, okay. Uh, where <laughs> yeah, was what, I? what was happening before the light went? <laughs> yeah, I literally don't remember what I was saying. Um, I feel like we may have all just gotten electrocuted. Yeah, I think my brain got zapped a little bit. Uh, the Fort guys in Fort Lauderdale were, they were just flying really Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, like uh, we would go in, you know, and we'd have like two bookings for the day. It would be completely empty, you know, and we'd be like, hey, can we go in there and fly? And they'd be like, well, what have you done? I mean, we cleaned the vents. It'd be like... Well, the floors, I have like, worked 40 hours this weekend. <laughs> exactly. Accrued these flight benefits. <laughs> that's May I exactly use them? exactly what I'd say. See, that's, uh, that's, my a job. Big, that's a big thing for me that I struggle with uh, understanding about iFly. Is yeah. they, they don't pay very much financially. Yeah. And they are able to justify this by saying, 
oh, well, you're also paid in flight benefits. Yeah, exactly. And so we're going to give you, what is it, for every eight hours you work, you accrue six minutes of flight time? Is um, that still the recipe? Well, we got, ours was uh, 90 minutes a month for okay. instructors. or for Full, full time, 90 yeah, minutes a month? Part time was 45 a month. Yeah. And All full time right. was 90 minutes a month. But that's part of your pay, right? Isn't that how they... Yeah, what, yeah, that's the shit they tell you when, yeah, they, yeah. when they hire you. Yeah, and now that the tunnel's empty, and yeah, you, tunnel is like, completely empty. It's like empty. saying, "Hey, you can't go spend your paycheck on groceries." Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it, does it feel like that at all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, something that you know. One of the main reasons I worked there, you know, was to get in the wind tunnel and learn to fly. And uh, yeah, it was kind of frustrating sometimes seeing the whole thing shut down. Nobody's there. You know, I mean, we still would get to fly sometimes, but yeah, it was a little stingier where I was than a lot of places and you think that was just uh just management or apparently just yeah like you know i wasn't super educated on the whole process of what goes down you know because i'd only been to the one wind tunnel really i didn't know how other places operated but apparently uh it was a managerial thing and it was kind of you know just hit and miss different wind tunnels it does seem like uh from the people i've known who have worked at different tunnels and seen the different management of the tunnels here it seems like the i don't think that I would let a manager really affect my day-to-day that much. But, yeah. you know, it's been a long time since I've worked in a traditional corporate setting where there are so many, you know, lo- levels of hierarchy in, within right. the, in the building. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of people have a very <laughs> different experience of uh, work depending on who the GM is. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, yeah, I would think the power the just thing. went out again. Yeah. If you yeah, yeah. That was, uh, this is really like testing my concentration right now. <laughs> you know, really like focus and turn on the strobe lights. Yeah, yeah. It's on hard level right now. It's a serious storm. But yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. You know, like people would. You know, of course, people talk shit about the manager and stuff, and I'm like, I'm not going to get involved in all that. It's not going to affect me. You know, I'm just going to be happy and hang out. But yeah, it like did affect some of the things I got to do. Well, so. how long did you work there in full? Uh, I started in uh, November 17, and I stopped in April, late April. So like a year and a half? So yeah, a year and a half, like right. right on the dot. So yeah. th- there's, I, I don't know what, uh, what's the T, well, I guess it'd be instructor I1 through I4, is that a thing? Uh, yeah, there's like level one through four instructors and there's like the trainers, like level like T1 through T4. Did you pro- progress through the instructor levels? I was a uh, level three. Okay. So like, you know, I, I guess I did, you know, okay. Like I thought I was a slow progressor or whatever, but uh, there was some other guys that transferred to my tunnel that had started like right when I started and they were right around the same level. So I guess, yeah, I was like level three. I could teach you how to like uh, head up fly and I could teach you like some layouts. I could spot the layouts and mm-hmm. stuff. At which point can you sign off other instructors? Uh, you have to be a trainer. I think you have to be a T4 to, uh, I don't know, don't quote me on So it's like T4 plus like an instructor evaluator? Yeah, yeah, kind of it's kind of like an, uh, an evaluator kind of thing, yeah. There is uh, examiners and stuff too, so I don't, I don't know the hierarchy of all that stuff. I just knew I would never get there, so. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the company doesn't have a whole lot of those people, just because they kind of had a hard time getting people to, to stick it out for the, the long yeah. haul. That uh, a large number of those people with that level of experience seem to not be with the company anymore. But m- maybe they've figured out, just like they've figured out a, you know faster ways to make good flyers, there's a really good chance that they've figured out faster ways to, to make those people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, it seems like, you know, two to four years is like usually the lifespan of an instructor. So h- how would you compare working in the tunnel and working in skydiving? What are the biggest differences? 
Uh, the biggest difference is, I guess, working for iFly specifically and working in skydiving was, you know, like, of course, the corporate kind of environment, you know, like, it's really professional. You can't be as, you know, as just vulgar as we are, you know, yeah, like, really had to, like, have be... a little more freedom. Yeah, yeah, like, skydiving, you know, is just, like, you know, just ultimate freedom. Yeah, yeah it's not, com- not common that we're having conversations with eight-year-olds, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you gotta be, uh... <laughs> a little appropriate for the kids. You we're just a party having conversations. Twelve-year-old boys. We're just having conversations like eight like we're eight-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Or about eight-year-olds and Nick's fan. <laughs> hey, it fits a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So the the overall just the way that you conduct yourself, you're a little more free in skydiving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, also, uh, I guess the. Uh, just the environment. I mean, you know, it's completely opposite. I'm inside, you know, and don't really get to see, you know, the sky or anything like that. Or, like the, you know, I just don't get to be outside. I think that was the biggest difference, at least that I noticed. What and a- uh, gear, you know, like you didn't really like the biggest thing, you know, adjustment was like not having all the gear, you know, right. like get in there and it just feels weird, you know, being mm-hmm. in whatever free fall without a rig or whatever. Right. Um, and no swooping. Do no you, swooping. Do you get gear fear at all in skydiving? Uh, do you have any paranoia about your gear at any any point of your day, any point of the jump? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Like, I'm really, like, I've, I would like to have, like, you know, perfect gear. And so I'm, like, always, something will really bother me if one little thing is kind of like that riser flap, you know, that comes over sure, on my yeah. rig. Mm-hmm. Not dog and velocity sports equipment, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that rear, that right riser. Yeah, cover. yeah, I could really use a new right riser flap <laughs> cover. But, um, yeah, a little bit. You know, sometimes I get a little paranoid about my gear and something just malfunctioning on me or something. I, I do, like, hundreds of gear checks. Like, I do way too many gear checks on myself in the airplane in the whole process. Can, can you really do too many? Yeah, you know, no, I don't think so. I mean... I think uh, I just do a lot. Yeah. That's, I think that's good, Yeah, man. yeah. Touch, touch that handle, touch those pins. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, the last few minutes when I'm getting all my camera gear ready and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just sitting there touching everything. So how many Touch how best. many uh, videos have you shot, would you say? Um, uh, over 2,500, probably. Okay, so you're pretty familiar with your camera setup. Yeah, yeah. Do you do, like, a gear check on your, on your camera gear before you get out? Yeah, definitely. I make sure, like, you know, uh, I make sure the cameras are, like, all aimed correctly, you know, because, like, the... Camera on top can get you know bumped yeah, you and aim left or right. Screws coming yeah, exactly. Uh, I make sure the GoPros you know angled correctly. Uh, I make sure the uh, I make sure my stills camera is on the right setting, and I make sure it's on. It's funny we were talking about that the other day because that was I learned from uh, not having it on a few times. <laughs> um, and then I make sure I put my helmet on, and then I take a couple test pictures, make sure my blow switch works, mm-hmm. and then I. Make sure when I tighten down my camera helmet, I literally like count with my fingers the little notches on both sides uh, mm-hmm. to make, make sure, sure it's nice yeah, make sure it's even. Yeah, is it the same number of notches every time too? Uh, no, sometimes it's like I don't like. Sometimes I'm like, how did I get it this tight? You know, there's uh-huh. only like three notches on each side. Like, how am I not? And, How's uh, my mouth opening? It's so? usually like after I've shaved, like significant. Oh yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, significant. You got that thick ass beard. Yeah, son. yeah, I got that briar bush. Yeah. Well, what do you like about flying camera? Um, I like I mean, being able to. You liked it well enough to come back to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I like just. Uh, of course, I like seeing people. You know, on their first skydive. You know, and like documenting the experience. 
Uh, but I just, I really like being able to fly around out there and fly my own body. And, uh, I really like, uh, swooping a lot too. So it's really nice to be able to land my support canopy every time. Gosh, I like swooping a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what are you flying these days? Uh, the Valkyrie 67. Just a regular old Valkyrie. Not a hybrid. No. Man, you got to get that hybrid. I know, son. man. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people will geek out about this this conversation. I don't know how many people are uh, flying flying wings that small. You're on a 67. Yeah. That's the smallest one that they make, right? Yeah, the smallest, like, stock. Yeah. The, I guess, uh, you, I guess the only people that make custom sizes are, like, NZ and stuff. So Does PD do it? Would they custom make a, a, something smaller than a 67 for in a Valkyrie? Do they do that? I don't no, think so. I, uh, they don't, including I don't think they would do it for the factory team. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah. the Peregrine may be a different conversation. For sure, the Peregrine, I think. Uh, well, yeah, I don't I think, know. I feel like they have a 61. Or the, I feel the like the Peregrines always have, like, the set sizes, too. You know, like, I've seen the 64 and the 67. So I don't know. Well, but, yeah, I definitely don't think they'll make a Valkyrie custom sized. What do you uh, What do you like about flying that Valkyrie? Oh, I like a lot of things about it. Um, I like how sensitive it is uh, to harness input, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my buddies who's, you know, in the pro circuit and stuff, he... Uh, He's jumped a lot of different parachutes, and he says the Valkyrie is like the most sensitive uh, rolling sensitive. canopy uh, with the harness. Like in input. the harness, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I like that a lot about it. Um, it's just it's great all around. Like it dives super hard at the ground. Uh, rear risers are great, and it's got that bottom end. That's the big thing. You yeah, know? it's got that good finish. Yeah, it's got that real nice finish. Do do you ever get line twists? No, I've never had line twists on valkyrie why, on why do you think that is or or why do you think that isn't that you're not that you're not getting line twists i think it's just the parachute i mean obviously you know like i had a few when i was jumping the jvx before uh the valkyrie i'd still like it was rare but i'd get a line twist every now and then mm-hmm. you know uh but i think it's just the way the valkyrie opens you know because i've had a few brake fires on the valkyrie and it opens perfectly straight and then once it's open then it starts turning mm-hmm. going crazy so yeah. Do you, uh, when, when your canopy's opening, do you watch your openings? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do. are you steering through your openings? I'm trying not to like, I'm trying to like use my body to kind of keep it straight. Okay. Um, if I really need to like, you know, start grabbing things and straighten stuff out, then I will. But I try to just kind of, you know, use, it's all on the hips, you know, okay. use the hips. So where, where do your hands go then during opening? Uh, I think my hands kind of go like in between the sets of risers. Okay. You know, like so not like really like grabbing them, but like kind of. In the middle kind of pushing out? Yeah, yeah. Like kind of just, I don't know if that's like really even beneficial, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. I don't know if you've noticed, I kind of have some tiny T-Rex arms. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes on my Valkyrie, the slider will flap quite aggressively. Ah. And I can't get it because I've got tiny T-Rex high. arms. <laughs> if it stops, like, just right above the, the risers, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's tough. Sometimes I'll do, like, this little kitty pawing trying to get <laughs> at it thing. Uh, does, does yours do that? Do you ever get your slider? Not that it's hung up, but that it's just flapping a little bit outside of your reach? Um, my slider, actually, once it comes all the way down, it does not flap. I think it's because it's that removable slider, and like With the rings kind of yeah, the yes. the rings come down further. Like the the rings on the rear risers come down further, so it's kind of like more like a sail into the wind. That's mm-hmm. just you know not flapping. So but with my removable, it still bounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe I've just got look. I just got a special one, but mine does get hung up uh, quite a bit nowadays ever since i oh, got the yeah, new it, sta- it stays up a little bit right? yeah yeah ever since uh i've got the different line set you know because uh remember when uh, pd changed the line sets for uh-huh. the valkyries yeah, from the orange vectran and then they started doing the, the thinner a lines yeah yeah that, that was it yeah that's because they A-line. like it was the i had the a line problem mm-hmm. right and so i got i qualified for the free line set or whatever they gave out 
but ever since the line set has changed, uh, I do get that. The slider hangs up uh, like halfway up there, maybe more than halfway, and I just have to flick the front risers to get it down. A little bit, little bit of front springs it right down. Yeah, yeah, you pop the fronts, yeah. Like you, you mean you pull tension and then let it exactly, go Exactly, yeah, quickly. yeah. I'll kind of like pull them a little bit and then just let them fly out of my hands and okay. it just comes right kinda down. Kind of like you're shooting a rubber band from Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's kind of fun, yeah. And then uh, what, what sort of turn are you doing? Are you getting to do any big turns right now? Are you going yeah, every now and then, yeah. Uh, my preferred turn over the years has been a 450. I used to do a lot of different, you know, like big turns and stuff, like 630s and all that. But uh, I just, I really like doing a 450, yeah. What do you think your strength is with uh, with turning that parachute? Are there um, any parts of it you feel like you're you're uh, really good at? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, my strength is uh, consistency. Um, I'm usually pretty you know pretty much in the same neighborhood altitude wise when mm-hmm. I start my turn. Um, uh, back home in Tennessee, I used to swoop really close to a lot of objects and stuff. You know. <laughs> So, uh, like, I kind of, you know, I've gotten good at, like... What, what do you mean, objects? Uh, like, uh... Hangers, would, trees. Yeah, hangers, flagpoles, bathhouse, you know, stuff like that. Um, a lot of lines that I wasn't supposed to take anymore because we got in trouble for it, but, you know, we would we would do it anyway. Uh, we always like to come... Uh, there was, like, the hangar, and there's a flagpole, and then there's a bathhouse, and we always like to, you, you know... You say bathhouse, it sounds inappropriate. Yeah, that's... You know what, like... I would never call any other place a bathhouse, but that's what Mike Mullins calls it. And so that's like drilled into my brain. It's Isn't, just the bathhouse. That sounds like somewhere, sounds like that somewhere you where you'd find a bunch of... for lewd activity. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, meet me out at the bathhouse. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to show you something. The old bathhouse. Like the ancient Romans with the little find boys. A bunch of, yeah, a bunch of Greek yeah, men you, and you boys You know they there. had bathhouses. Yeah, yeah. Sons of bitches. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think uh, I'm just pretty decent at being consistent, you know. I'm not super talented freestyle wise or whatever but i seen yeah. you do those switch blades son uh the switch blades are yeah i'm pretty good at those yeah <laughs> but uh i can't turn it backwards or anything well do you still have goals that you're working towards in the, in I, the swooping i world? do kind of yeah yeah um i really would like to uh start you know doing the whole like uh take a hand off the risers maybe do a ghost rider or something or a cowboy um but yeah blind man's is like really what i you know because i used to kind of practice it but then i started jumping like really tiny tiny wings and it just got really hard Mm -hmm. and it's kind of tough on the valkyrie but uh i think my main goal is to just uh stop being so much of a pussy and try stuff (laughs) honestly like to for me to 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 start learning to do a blind man which i'm still not nearly as good at as i should be with as many times as i've tried to do it it's just like okay i'm gonna fall down this time yeah yeah. like just having that in my brain of like hey i'm committed to being backwards and falling down yeah yeah and uh, as long as you get both feet on the on the ground right you uh you're pretty you're pretty much you're pretty good yeah the the part that gets scary for me is when i give it i like to turn it around on my rears still yeah that's what i would do and when i give it too much rears as i come around and then you pop up Mm -hmm. and with no feet on the ground and and looking backwards yeah i i like to look up at the wing yeah yeah so people who are really good at it they just uh, look they they look straight out at the horizon and just keep flying it yeah just like if you were you know uh, reversing in your vehicle, your eyes would still be on the horizon. They yeah, just be yeah, in a exactly. Different direction. You're not going to look up at the ceiling while you're reversing, right? You're not going to look at the right. wheels of the tire to find out if you're going the right yeah, direction. I'm like one street. So, so this all makes sense to my stupid brain. Yeah, but I can fly it backwards a lot better when I look up at the wing. Yeah, yeah. But if you, 
Uh, first of all, th- what I'm saying right now, hey, don't try a blind man. You're going to fall down and get hurt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I broke it's my hard. wrist doing it. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard and it's scary and you'll fall down. But when you do it, when I step uh, across with my other foot, mm-hmm. so I drag one foot, step across with my other foot, and if I can keep balanced weight in my feet, touching yeah. both feet on the ground, that really helps to stay square in the harness yeah, and, and keeps the turn from happening. Yeah. I think I turn a lot when I reach for the ground with my foot that I'm dragging. Yeah, and right. then I step over and maybe I didn't do a really great job of, of planing out totally flat. So now I'm low in the harness and my ass is really low yeah. and because I'm sitting deep in the harness instead of standing straight up then there's a lot more harness input and then I go fall I fall down. Yeah, exactly. I think that might be a problem for me too as I pull the leg straps kind of down my thighs and that makes everything just amplified. Yeah, when I think about when I try and explain it and I th- I'm pretty sure Critter explained it to me this way of imagine if you're a pole and you're turning as a pole. Yeah. How much less uh, input your hips are having. Right. But if you sit all the way down in your harness, think about your ass sticking out like you're in a full, like seated in a yeah. chair position, and then you turn around and you see visually that line that your hips would follow. Yeah. And if that's not balanced, you're, you're turning. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. My problem always, I'm back. Hi. Hi. Um, hey, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Those who were just listening, I was trying to deal Did we with solve the, the technical difficulties. Yeah, the internet and the power is catching back up. Um, so I haven't done any it's blind go mans back out in thirty seconds on my, yeah, right. on my Valkyrie <laughs> yet, but on Spectres and on Velos, I do them a lot. Yeah, uh, I haven't done Velo jumps in a while, but um, as I put that lead foot is what I would call it down to yeah. start bringing me around. Mm-hmm. Just as that lead foot gets past ninety degrees, I put my trail foot down to help a bring me the rest of the way around yeah exactly but more important for me it's i'm making sure i've balanced pressure on my feet yeah so uh, i was taught uh to do the blind man by a buddy named phil and he was like yo man so when you get that around use your foot to help bring you around and really that bit me in the ass yeah because i would actually put too much pressure on that foot and then load the wrong way and Mm. then i would unload the inside foot or the lead foot so then what I started figuring out, and, and TJ Langren helped me, was like, no, dude, when you get that second foot involved, if you get it involved, try to have even pressure on your feet. And I think Nick uh, started with that. Even pressure on your legs is super, super helpful. Yeah, definitely. So it's um, definitely that turning in. It, you know, I, I heard there's a stick through your butthole, and you're turning on your butthole as well. Yeah, yeah, which there is oh, always a stick in my butthole, so it makes it easier sexy. for me. Yeah. It's getting sexy Ooh. in here. Ooh. Man, you did a lot of swooping while you were gone. A lot. Uh, well, I did this last summer. I I didn't for like the whole... I didn't really skydive a lot when I worked for the wind tunnel. I just never really had like enough extra cash to like justify going out and making any jumps. And, you know, I do it every now and then, you know, stay current. But um, when I got back to Tennessee this last uh, summer, I, uh, I spent like three months back home. Um... Uh, my mom just got over breast cancer this last winter, and you know, I was just like I hadn't seen her since that whole ordeal. So I just went and like hung out, you know, back there, and uh, worked for West Tennessee, and I got to swoop a whole lot. So that was when I really kind of got back on the horse and started doing a bunch of turns and stuff again. That's where I really started practicing the switchblade and stuff, you know, trying to fly it around with one hand. And didn't you uh, compete a little bit in FLCPA? I did one competition. I just kind of entered just to see what you know what it was all about. It was coming through my home drop zone and. Yeah, it was pretty cool. If I had the money, I think I would do it a lot more. Yeah. If I had the money for the gear and for the, you know, just the competition itself. Yeah, to take time, you got to take time off. Yeah. Go to a competition. Traveling, yeah. Yeah, it gets expensive. Have you thought about training to compete anyways? Um, 
maybe I, you don't get to, but at least train? Yeah, you know, I've thought about it. Uh, I think I guess I do kind of train and the fact that I'm constantly trying to do like the correct, you know, the turn that's going to produce the most power and stuff, you know, and but I don't really like go through, I don't do like zone accuracy training or anything really. I mean, I would go through the course every now and then, but. If, if LCPA or anything like it and nationals were more accessible financially to you, is it something you would do? Uh, I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So definitely goal-oriented. You would love to compete. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but the Ponded Spaceland's gotten quite the facelift in the last couple of weeks. It has. Been they cleaning them, it up. Uh, they were just digging the pit for the pea gravel. Yeah. And they have some obscene amount of pea gravel coming in. I think it's 18 inches deep. Does, is that a number that yeah. sounds familiar mm-hmm. to you? I don't remember. Don't well, know. Well, I'm pretty sure that that's the, the depth of the pea gravel. Yeah, 18 in, inches. In the landing area. They are, man, there was a bulldozer over there today. They are working hard in getting the swoop scene. And the swoop scene's been good at Houston, but the, the competitive swoop scene back. They're really yeah, trying yeah. to push live, push hard. And honestly, Zach Boyd um, has been really active swooping lately. Yeah. And he's been really pushing hard. He's doing a great job with all this preparing. and everything. I mean, he's pretty much taken it all under, you know, he's done it mostly himself, I think. You know, he's kind of... Uh, put it all together it seems like yeah he's taking the lead he's got a couple good buddies helping him out and, and yeah. they've done well as a team and he's done a good job of convincing steve that uh we can do this but you know i hear so many people complain about every single drop zone owner well the drop zone owner doesn't want us to do this it's like dude the guy's not made of money he can't just poop money out yeah um everybody expensive. poops we just don't poop money and most uh, of us most of us. Cue the that brings me to this wonderful book, <laughs> Everyone Poops by Taro Gomi. Let's have a short reading. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's go to page uh, eight. Different animals make different kinds of poop. Different shapes, different colors, <laughs> even different smells. God, mm. I feel so much like a school teacher. Right yeah, and the illustrations really help. Yeah, so Do you feel uh, like LeVar you Burton right to now? A little bit. I need the glasses, though. I guess I'm not on Star it's Trek. But uh, last was it last week's show that yes, I mentioned sir. this book to you? Yes, sir. So uh, DJ, his bathroom, has the book, uh, The History of Farting, mm-hmm. and What Is Your Poo Telling You? And I had a recommendation that he picks up uh, Everyone Poops, really good children's book about uh, the fact that we all make the poo-poo. We had a lot of shit talk with Ori. <laughs> oh, that was where it came yeah. from. All right. Uh, yeah, I bet you did. My favorite is the look on this kid's face on the front cover. He is pretty upset. Yeah, he looked like he had a painful Asian. This book is by uh, <laughs> a little Taro. What's that name? Gomi, I think. Taro Gomi, which is a Japanese name, just very as a guess. Esteemed uh, writer. Very Japanese. But yeah, it's uh, it's simple. It's understandable. It's, uh, he wipes himself with paper, then flushes it down. I do that. Yeah, that's a great book. Do you the guys know? One. Uh, the camel I think one's it's my like favorite. wombats uh, make square poops. It's like a cube. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I looked awesome. into it. Look into it, bro. A one-hump camel makes a one-hump poop. <laughs> and a two-hump camel makes a two-hump poop. <laughs> yes. Only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is all really in the book. If you're watching this, you show actually has a two-lump poop. I'm really happy about this book. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you, DJ. <laughs> you're very welcome. Thank you, Amazon Prime, for exa- accidentally sending me two copies. So there is one in my bathroom. Um, remember, if you're ever in my restroom at my house reading this reading material, every other one of my friends with their poopy hands have touched those books. Yeah, yeah, it's real dirty. So read the books and then touch DJ on his face. Oh, you're an asshole. Fuck you. It's almost um, uh, almost scratch and sniff. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God, gross. it's square poop. 
<laughs> oh, he's got yeah. the wombat yeah. poop. Is we, it wombats? <laughs> oh I'm just going to scroll through Google yeah. Images if on the Facebook If you look at that stream. right screen over there, Blake, over your right shoulder, you got the square poops <laughs> oh. up there. That's it, dude. That's so the square, square poop. poop. That is so like, weird. It actually looks like art, that last one you showed. Go back one. This looks like the brownie bites. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks pretty <laughs> delicious, actually. <laughs> those look, dude, those, those could be good tasting. Yeah, you know. I go to Starbucks <laughs> and I've buy never, those fuckers. I've never tried it. I don't know. <laughs> um... Man, the the uh, the swoop scene is alive and huge in Houston right now. Yeah, it so is. It's great. The opportunity to train on the pond. <laughs> Somebody photoshopped the poop <laughs> behind the wombat. <laughs> a what? Wombat. Yeah, it's a, it's a I, wombat. I'm missing something. All right, here. yeah, let's keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the opportunity to train on the pond there is becoming very real. They're getting the opportunity. The courses are going back up. Yeah, so if yeah. it was something you were interested in doing, I would definitely recommend hitting it up. And uh, <laughs> you want to put us yeah, back to us? <laughs> when I looked up, I wasn't sure if it was a wombat or if, if Justin just had the camera on himself. <laughs> 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 little, little call me, little call me. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a good one. Yeah. So cute. And I know people have talked about uh, revitalizing the swoop scene yeah. in Texas in general yeah yeah uh the hard part is, is it is really hard to run these comps without water because there is a dragging requirement for a lot of these meats yeah definitely and so without ponds it does become difficult and i don't know of any other pond in texas do you does anybody know if there's another i don't i don't know of any other i know san marcos doesn't have one i know dallas doesn't have one um skydive 35 would be the only question i would have yeah. be the only one i know who could have one um, Skydive El Paso is in New Mexico, technically, so they wouldn't have one in Texas if they had one. Yeah, yeah. So Ours is huge, too. It's so big that it almost does kind of mess with your uh, setup a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's crazy you know? to set up over the yeah. water. It's, it's like setting up over visual. the beach or the ocean or something. You can't really, you know. One of the, uh, Dirt water dirt is a term you don't hear as much anymore because ponds aren't as big, but dirt water dirt infers you drag dirt, Dragged the pond and dragged and hit dirt again. So you've made yeah. dirt water Man, dirt. Did you see that? I see a that, wee little pond at Skydive Thirty Five on Google Earth. Oh mm. uh, yeah. Did you see the video of Tommy dragging the pond, doing a downwinder during the uh, head up record? Yeah, I saw that. No. Head up, uh, just got well, the, the dragging our pond, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a long drag. If if you if you Justin, if you get on Tommy Miller's yes. Facebook page, you might you might find it. it's it's worth looking at. He he got as much of that pond as I've seen anybody get. Really, yeah. Tommy's a monster, dude. Yeah, he's a beast. he's a machine. So it's two fifty wide, five hundred long, and for the longest time, it was said that pond will never get dirt water dirt. But the question very quickly said, well, somebody can do it crossways. Somebody can. Yeah, definitely. It's at the point now that, A, number one, there are plenty of guys on RDZ who I think could go dirt water, dirt sideways oh, if the ones were right. It's for sure been done. Yeah. Um, but, man, Kurt Bartholomew did a 600-foot across-the-ground swoop not so long ago into land. Yeah. Somebody out there can dirt water dirt a 500-fucking-foot pond. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's Kurt, and he's a world champion with more medals than... Most of us have brain cells. Yeah. So I think uh, Kurt was like talking about it one time. We were talking to him about the Spaceland Pond and how big it was. And uh, he was saying how difficult it would be just because like the it's pretty close to like, you know, the longest swoops, you know, in competition. And that's also like them not dragging water and, you know, like popping up super high. Mm -hmm. So like dragging yeah. the water. I think we got would this be footage really of Tommy coming up right really here. Yeah, this oh, is yeah. crazy. Here he goes. T Willie. 
Oh, baby. Sorry to sit Gee, in silence, everybody. Oh, we, just, my God. we just watched right. Tommy Miller murder a fucking Can I have the boner pillow, please? Dude, yeah, <laughs> that you, was you that super <laughs> close to dirt water dirt. That was almost yeah. a long ways. thing. I, I feel like if, awesome. if he had set up just a little bit deeper, I feel like he would have had it. Uh, yeah, I know I have not seen that. And yeah, I agree. I think if he was set up right for If he had a couple shots at that, he would do it. 100%. Yeah, if he made that his goal for the day, yeah. he'd do it. And yeah, the, Tommy's uh, he's just, also really just, good at turning his parachute backwards. He's really yeah, good at he's that. Yeah, he's got a good blind yeah, man, yeah. too. Oh, I just, <laughs> just to put in perspective, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that happened uh, on a state record jump. I think that was like on a 45 way. Nice. So to, to show where you're at collected <laughs> mentally to be able to be on a 45 yeah. way upright <laughs> record and then do that. And just at, go at the same rip time. it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah, because sometimes, yeah, it's it's tough after you've, you know, been really stressed out about a skydive or you're, like, not happy about a skydive. Like, it really affects the, the swoop. He doesn't seem to be the type of guy who stresses too much. Nah, man. He's definitely, he's got a great head on his shoulders. T. Willie. Shout yeah. out. Yeah, not, T. Willie and the Heezy. Not great hair on his shoulders, but just great head on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Ah. I feel that, bro. Man, am I the only one here that's not bald? Justin, what's going on the I top of your head? doing good. Man. Huh? I'm How you good. doing? Yeah. Yeah, you're full yeah, head of okay, hair, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. And we're not bald. I got like the deep widow's peak. We're even Stevens. Oh, yeah, you're oh, good. Oh, yeah, you know, you got a good yeah. yeah, you got nothing to hide. No, yeah. no, but how old are you now? 35. All right. Nice. 45, I'm curious uh, to where you'll be. I started <laughs> losing my hair when I was like 20. Like, it started like, like that, you know? It was like me like at 21. Pull your hat off. I got to pull the... Yeah, you got to pull the ears off too. Okay. I have to remember where, how far away you are. T. Willie's the same way, man. Tommy yeah, yeah. is... Tommy, Super has he started Bowl. like? Uh, I think he started like shaving it. Like I like I started using a razor. I think he started taking it all the way down. Looks great, man. Man, I just I can't do the razor. It's too much maintenance for me. Yeah, it was a little tough at first. What, but what if you, you get know. an electric razor and spend like two minutes just going? You know what? That's a good. It's a good idea. I should try that. So right now, where where it goes is I put the smallest possible guard on my clippers, and once a month do the same thing, but. It's a little bit easier because it's a little more room for forgiveness. It's much quicker to do. I don't have to worry about anything. What if you were brushing your teeth with one hand and oh, shaving man. your head with the other hand? Talking super future talk right here. I Dude, feel like that's doable. I yeah. I can't. I could at least the, give a hand job and rub the top <laughs> yeah, of my head at the same say, time. What you're, what you're doing right now actually looks pretty easy because I've done that motion many times. <laughs> I, I cannot pat my belly and rub my head at the same time. Really? So I, I actually I can, but <laughs> now Blake is. They had to think about it. So what makes it easy is rub up and down at first. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I can't do it. No, you're doing terrible. <laughs> you can't give coaching on this. Uh, yeah. Knock yeah. it off. Um, DQ and I were doing it the other day, and I, I had no problem. Apparently now, mm, that that Moscow mule was pretty stiff. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. It's the alcohol. Dude, I uh, I just had, I've had a really busy week, and I decided when I made the Moscow meals tonight that they were going to be a little bit stiffer than normal. A little strong, huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually my had mule my mule was super stiff. <laughs> man, my mule was strong. I had my fourth reserve ride today, so I decided I deserved a fucking drink. So <laughs> I've I, seen you have more than that. Um, I had my fourth unintentional reserve ride today. Hmm. Yeah. So, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, uh, somebody cut away my main parachute for me before I deployed it. Oh, so I decided yeah, going straight yeah. to my reserve was a better Ooh, idea, man. <laughs> so I was I'm, I'm training the AFF instructor course right now. Um, I did talk to this fella and he knows that we might talk about it. Um, we, we're calling him Captain Cutaway for the moment. <laughs> so Captain Cutaway is training for his AFF rating. Part of the course, you deploy my main parachute for me. Now, I've been training AFF instructors for 15 years in general. 
Um, and I've never had anybody say, I couldn't find your main handle. Yeah. He's on my main side. He's docked. You've been through this course, and he's trying to find my main handle. And in the video, you can see him with his right hand, which is supposed to pull my main, kind of flash back and forth, up and down. They're like, where do I go? And then he just looks at my cutaway handle and just yanks it and throws it away. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Throws it away. He pulls my cutaway. (laughs) Well, you know, he's thinking, that's the pilot shoot. That's it. I'm pulling it. So he didn't think he was throwing my cutaway handle. Oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) And he's like, as I threw it, I saw the yellow cable and realized... That's not it. <laughs> so at this point, I'm like, Shit, wrong handle, bro. Did he just pull my cutaway handle? So I reach <laughs> down, I touch. There's no cutaway handle there. To be certain, I reach back and I touch my main handle. I'm like, yeah, there's a main handle there. He definitely didn't throw uh, that. I reach back and as I go to touch my cutaway handle again, I have a briefing in the course, and the briefing is how to let somebody be, uh, how to bring somebody aware of a, a handle issue. Right. When we're on our back spinning, people bump our handles every now and then. Um, my 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 mentor Jay Stokes has been uh, pulled on his back on his reserve twice. Wow. I've had an evaluator in my course have her cutaway handle pulled while she was on her back, and she didn't know it. So we developed like, hey, this is how you bring people aware. And so I check my cutaway handle; it's not there. I check my main, just like, you know, it's it's still there, I'm sure. But like, is the main there? Yeah. So as I go back to check the cutaway one more time, he pats it. He goes, it's gone, buddy. So I just straight fire my reserve. Yeah. Dude, optimum fucking reserve. Those things open so buttery terminal. Yeah, nice. We've been doing those infinity mar jumps. And man, a normal terminal reserve ride, a little brisk. Yeah. The PDR, the PD reserve opens nice. I ain't going to complain about one bit of it. But, man, it's a little brisk. Those terminal uh, reserve openings, that's DQ. That was a spanker. Oh, my God. That one was so great. <laughs> Dude, DQ goes a little bit faster than me. And when you play it, I think it's in fast forward. But it's not. It's, yeah, it looks like it's been <laughs> The opening up. process looks yeah. like it's sped <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. Because from the time he pulls the reserve ripcord handle, the, the pilot shoots dance around a little bit because it's in your burble. Yeah. But the moment that the extraction happens... It's like eight frames later, <laughs> sliders down, Jesus. and he's done a spinning back kick in the air. <laughs> Legit, dude, you got to see this video. It's yeah, pretty crazy. Definitely. Man, the oh, Optimum, man, it opens so soft. Optimum's great. Yeah. And one of the things that I don't think, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Nick, that people don't hear or talk about a lot is uh, I, I've heard, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, people wait for their reserve to fire or their AD to fire. Like I, huh. I, I, we we saw a girl here in Houston. This is twelve, thirteen years ago. We watched her get a Cypress fire, and you could actually see her as she's falling. Grab her handle, grab her handle. At some point, you saw her just go back to box. Wow! And wait for the Cypress to fire. And when she landed, we walked up to our caller, Jill. Hey, Jill, what happened? Like, oh man, you know, I had a total, couldn't get it out. I pulled my cutaway handle, I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it. So then, what happened? Well, I just stopped because I knew my Cypress would fire. Fortunately, it worked out okay. Yeah. Number one. She had a pillow for a reserve handle, and she didn't peel it like you should peel a cutaway handle. Yeah. She was taught peel your cutaway handle, but not your reserve. Hmm. A D-ring doesn't need to be peeled. But yeah. if you're an AFF instructor, teach your students to peel that D-ring. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. And if it's going to give them good a, muscle memory. Yeah. Perfect, right? Yeah. So that we found out what she did. And we are like, hey, you can't A, trust the AAD. And B, Nick, we've proved multiple times, if you're falling stable and fire your reserve, your reserve pilot shoot will dance in your burble yeah. two, maybe three times before it takes off. There is quite a bit of hesitation yeah. of pilot shoot dance in that burble. And I think, what, four out of four times that happened on four test jumps? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And today I wow. had a total said and done, and same thing. It was a very short, quick dance. 
I was quick to hopefully get air out because I do know what I needed to know and get yeah. it, get it out there. But man, it's your AA. Don't wait on your AAD. If you're stable, your reserve is going to pilot shoot is likely going to dance. If you are stable, when you fire your reserve, spill air over your shoulder, roll those shoulders a little bit and get that air. Yeah. You want to get that pilot shoot to get as much clean air as you can. So it was a really interesting learning lesson. Cypress, take the wheel. (laughs) Cypress, take the wheel. Yeah, really? Yeah. Ultimate trust. You might wait the rest of your life for that AAD to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Captain Cutaway throws my cutaway handle, found it next to the runway. No way. Yeah. So he found my cutaway Ah. handle, my free bag landed on. Yeah. All these intentional cutaways. My free bag and my cutaway handle lands on on the unintentional one. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right by the fucking fuel farm and the runway. Bullshit. We're in a simulation. Yeah. So I now have three cutaways, four if you count the one somebody did for me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Nice. It, it was a fun time. Yeah. Um, you've been back now uh, you, at West Tennessee Skydiving. You worked for a while while you were there? Yeah, I did. And how long did you work for Mike? Uh, I worked for Mike this time, like uh, three months. But overall, I've worked there for, you know, collective of like seven years almost, like five, seven years. Ultimately, that's home for you. Yeah, definitely. Memphis area. Mm-hmm. Where did you? Where were you raised? Uh, Memphis area. Yeah. What part of Memphis area? Uh, Germantown. I was like going right to say Germantown. Yeah, yeah, you know it. Yes. Please tell me about your first job. My first job? Mm-hmm. All right. Can you guys guess what my first job might you have been? You worked at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. That's what I wanted yeah, to okay, talk okay. about. Did all you right, know this right, already? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, by the way, I went to school in Millington. I don't know if I ever told oh, you Oh, yeah, you did tell yeah. me that. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, like yeah. by the base out there and stuff, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there is a First Baptist Church in Millington, Tennessee. I don't know if you're familiar with where it's at. It's a really big church there. It's uh, just 100 churches on every block. Yeah, but First Baptist Millington. Yeah, yeah, yeah There's yeah. only one First Baptist in Millington. Yeah. Um, I, I went to school right there, lived right there. It was right by that, that church. Nice. So. Yeah. So Chick-fil-A, your first job? Chick-fil-A. I, w- I worked at Chick-fil-A in college. Yeah, no way. Chick-fil-A, Did you fucking right really? On. Yeah, dude. Right on. Damn it. Dude. You sons of bitches <laughs> had so much delicious chicken. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I got to eat a lot of their food. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever did this. Here is my favorite Chick-fil-A trick that you cannot get a Chick-fil-A employee to do for you. The Chick-fil-A char-grilled chicken sandwich is marinated in a different thing than what the Chick-fil-A battered is. Uh-huh. Take the marinated chicken breast, throw it in the Chick-fil-A batter. On the batter, yeah, yeah. Fry that motherfucker up. You know, I used to I used to do something like that. I liked the, uh, they had like the Southwestern chicken salad back in the old days, mm-hmm. which was just like the char-grilled chicken, but it was like, it had a bunch of like nice seasoning on it, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that on a sandwich, you know, because they just specifically sliced that up for the salads. Mm-hmm. So like in the morning, when all the guys are like preparing the stuff, I would like steal one of the patties and I would like hide it in the fridge. And then later on when it was my lunch break, I would grab that and be like, hey, can you guys make me a sandwich with this? And I would have a, a Southwest char-grilled chicken sandwich. Did yeah. you work, when uh, When did you work there? I was 15 when I started. About to, I was about to turn 16. Like I was getting rides from my mom to work, you know. Was it still a mall? No, it was a, this was a stand, you know, standalone. Okay. Um, and yeah, I was just a little little cashier boy. Taking people's orders, I would. Uh, I was like the one that wouldn't say my pleasure because I just thought it was stupid. You know, <laughs> I was like, "It's not genuine. You're just making me say this." And so, like, I would always say, "You're welcome." So would people. people call you on it? <laughs> they would like thank me. They'd be like, "Thank you for like being genuine and not." Because we know that when people say my pleasure, like they're just bullshit. But did anyone come from the other side of you, sir? You're supposed to say my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like jokingly, sometimes my managers would, you know, catch on sometimes. But you got to say my pleasure. How big was your boss, your GM, about understanding how many sauces to give? 
<laughs> how many sauces to give. Um, he was pretty strict about everything, you know. Like we had like you know certain lines we had to fill up the cups with ice, you know. Like yeah. yeah. So for example, I can go to Chick Fil A by my house and I can say I would like a couple Polynesian and honey mustard sauces, please. Yeah. And I will get two of each, no problem. Yeah, yeah. And my GM was the same way. He would like beat on if somebody asks for a couple, they get two. Yeah. If they say they want a couple and they name more than one thing, you give them two of each unless they say otherwise. Yeah. If they say a few, you give them three, ask them if they want a fourth. Yeah. Um, he was very specific about a couple meant two, a few meant three or four, some meant five or more. Yeah, we threw that sauce out, man. We give people a lot of sauce. Yeah. yeah. Dang, that's I like to ask for more sauce. I love the sauce. Yeah, yeah. Dude, sauce is great. It's amazing that if you even ask, because I don't know if I ever have gone through Chick-fil-A without them going, would you like sauce, sir? Or would you like more sauce, sir? They well, always ask. I wonder if either of you are aware that Chick-fil-A started serving mac and cheese this week. I, I no. was aware of that earlier today. You said something about that. Yep. I'm a kind of yeah. obsessed with mac and cheese and yeah. Chick-fil-A. Hey. I don't eat either one of those things very often, so that's why I love them so yeah, much. I'm definitely going to yeah, go grab some of that. Chick-fil-A, mac and cheese, and huge orders of nuggets, maybe a chicken biscuit, and then we're going to go get cinnamon rolls. <laughs> yeah. Did you say salmon Wait, uh, rolls or you, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls? Are Sorry, you talking about this uh, this place that Francisco keeps talking about? Yeah, it's called Cineholic. Cineholic. I've heard of it. Where at? It's uh, right here in Pearland. It's, yeah. Uh, you know where the Costco is? Yes, I know where it's at now. It's just a couple blocks up from Costco. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've driven by it. It's, you know, I'm not like a huge dessert guy, but cinnamon rolls, like Cinnabon and stuff, that's like... That's my jam. Yeah. Dude, have you ever taken the Pillsbury cinnamon rolls? Do you have a waffle maker at home? The waffle iron? I don't. No, I don't think so. Dude, you take those goddamn Pillsbury cinnamon. You know the, <laughs> the shit in the tube? Yeah, yeah. You take crack one of those, you crack it open, open, you drop a couple of those suckers on your waffle iron, and you fold that. Dude, they make the that best morning yeah. waffles. When you get them out, you throw the icing all over it. Killer waffles, man. That's a great it's idea, DJ. <laughs> Favorite junk food. Go. Donuts. Is it true that donuts make you go nuts? I'm pretty nuts. Could you do a, a box of a dozen donuts? I have done a box of a dozen donuts. Okay, let's yeah. say that we go to the donut shop right now. What are you going to get? Uh, I'm a pretty, you know, like, I like to keep it pretty pretty basic, you know? Like, I just like straight up glazed donuts. Okay. And sometimes I like the chocolate ones. And sometimes I like them filled with, like, a strawberry or something, oh, you know, or like yeah. the cream filled. You're saying you know? all the right yeah. words. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. That I like custard, to keep it pretty man. basic. Yeah, I'm like, all about those apple fritters, yeah. Dude, I love uh, an apple fritter. Yeah. Can't bear claws. Like a, bear claws. I will say there was this place uh, that Megan uh, and Guru showed me a few years ago, and they had, like, crazy donuts like they had like fruity pebbles and stuff on them they had like you know all kinds of different like cinnamon toast crunch donuts that I, was no that was i great. think i went to the same place oh, yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty positive that megan's the one who turned yeah me yeah into yeah megan and old. now she's turning me on to all these fucking cookie places i was gonna say she'll she'll get your dessert fix oh, you know yeah. she knows the desserts that little brat maggie doe can't Trent's kid is pooping right now. Is what I just, I every now and then we'll check. Thanks that. for Everybody poops. <laughs> Facebook streaming. Nick just. Uh, Trent, I I didn't didn't see we go live. One. We go live to DJ for the pooping update. <laughs> DJ, how's it coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Foster. Are they square? Ask him if they're cubed. You <laughs> <laughs> might be raising a wombat. Do they mm. look like brownie bites? Very interesting yeah. news. Is it soft or firm? Would you compare it to soft serve, DJ? <laughs> I believe it's green. Soft serve green. <laughs> mm, green. Interesting. Blake, your thoughts? Yeah, green is a very healthy color, in my opinion. <laughs> a lot of iron. I don't know why would I do that news announcer voice. My hand just immediately goes to my ear like I'm holding in the And now we're getting something. Yeah. Now we go to li live to DJ being a bitch. DJ. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a bitch. Sorry, that's, that's I just want to know if it has one hump or two humps. Yeah, how many humps does it have? <laughs> is have there you guys, uh, oh, my God. 
Did you notice how much the Asian little boy in the Everybody Poops book looks like Trent's son? This is Foster right here. So while you're doing that, the is other Trent comment, watching right now? Trent was at some point. Oh my god! Every time you read that book, Trent's son poops. Nuggets. I'm sending a picture in of the this macaroni to Trent right now. Nick, take your mac and cheese at Chick Fil A and drop chicken nuggets in it. Is what Jared Shell suggested. Ah, okay. Jared Sold. Shell is a god at this moment. Thanks for the th- yeah. Thanks for the advice. Yeah. Have you guys ever uh, speaking of poop colors? You guys have eaten a whole bag of uh, <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos and had the uh, the infamous red poops. Oh, that's the thing. I thought that I had like I thought I had like colon cancer or something, dude. Like I seriously <laughs> ate a whole bag of hot Cheetos one time, like as my dinner, watching TV. You know, had a beer. You know, the, the meal of champions. And I uh, woke up the next day and straight up, I could have painted a mural. I could have painted the Japanese flag with my poop. <laughs> the red Japanese sun. Uh. How how long did it take you to remember the bag of Cheetos? Uh, I <laughs> like how like, long does this panic last? Uh, I was like like a minute, you know. Like oh I seriously, god. yeah, yeah. You think that you're bleeding out of your asshole? Yeah, for a I was full like minute? Uh, the wipe and look. Oh god, it's still coming. It's still red. It's not brown yet. And yeah, was, thanks a lot, Cheetos. Because it was like alarmingly red, like that red. Yeah. That red. The, the exact, I mean, basically, side? I think what happened is just the Cheetos. Can we didn't call it really Option Studios red? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Option Studios red is the exact tint. It didn't change during during the wipe. You thought you were gonna start seeing brown. Yeah, you know, I thought maybe it was gonna like I was like wiping blood away from my asshole. You know? <laughs> and then like once I got all the blood away, you know, it'd be like okay, like you know something was bleeding. But nope, it was just yeah, it was just the color. Like I looked at the poop, you know, looked like a big red crayon. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to know it's been a long time since we've asked this question but do you reach between your legs to wipe or do you reach around to wipe i think i think most people reach around to wipe i go you know i reach around my butt i do the lean okay you know, i'm yeah, left-handed that seems reasonable yeah well the left just, hand has not that seems like a, well, you know if you guys wonder which side i go on okay. you know i lift the left cheek it's getting real specific yeah but, yeah but you're not wiping between your legs you're no. not lifting up the no. boys and just going yeah, no, you're I don't not wanna... trying to wipe shit all over your balls or yeah, your hand yeah. that's covering you your balls. You just don't yeah, wipe exactly. that far. Yeah. <laughs> you know when to stop. We, uh, I don't know, man. It gets pretty messy down there. We caught one of my friends. <laughs> we were like, uh, we were like high school, like seniors. We were like seventeen, and we were all. Uh, I can't remember where we were. Uh, but we were in a public bathroom. Yeah, let's say Chick Fil A, right? <laughs> My buddy's taking a shit in there, and we just like to mess with each other, you know. And we like uh, started like you know filming him over the top, and we're like looking at him, like giggling and stuff. And we saw him wiping like that. We saw him wiping like from you know like towards the front, and we were all like we stopped what we were doing. What's like, wrong? Wait with a it? second. You like Don't what are you it. doing? You know that's how <laughs> this maniac wipes his asshole. <laughs> Serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have some pretty decent logic to how it developed over time you know yeah you explained but, it to me the other yeah, day but your like, arms aren't broken anymore yeah. <laughs> get over it man i think it began with shitting on a hole in the floor and wiping that way <laughs> no so i'm curious now because uh, hang on started, give me a demo i'm gonna talk everyone if you, were, demo. if you were squatting like that maybe okay, you know you mean a hole on the floor so dj <laughs> is squatting so it started by wiping like this but now i wonder if my japanese <laughs> uncles would wipe like this instead yeah, yeah, you know? maybe. You know? So I wonder if like I'm just odd no matter what country I'm wiping my booty hole in. Yeah, we have to we'd have to ask a bunch of Japanese people how they wipe, you know. 
Oh, man, I how can't, do you all wipe? I can't believe there's not like on on the Egyptian pyramids like engraved <laughs> on the walls. Yeah, yeah. Like, if there's <laughs> someone squatting, and which way is their hand going? Yeah, it would explain a lot. How did we evolve? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I haven't. Hieroglyphic right. well, ass wiping. I maybe mean, you have evolved. Maybe that's the you know. Maybe that's the new way we're going to start me, doing but, it. But but it I makes do. sense from like just a completely function of your bowels point of view that we were not built to shit sitting on a toilet, right? Yeah, the yes. squatty so potty. I, I really think that's the strongest oh, point. I love the squatty potty. God, who so doesn't? Jesus. But I think that's the strongest point in your argument is a squat because that's how we're yeah. naturally built to shit, right? So I think that's I think that's the strongest thing you got going for it. Yeah. But I have never tried to reach my asshole one-handed but it's like, I mean, I guess wiping isn't really natural either, though, is it? Yeah, no. You're not I mean, finding, finding toilet paper out there in, yeah. in nature. The so ideal you, situation would be the, the squat and the bidet. So have you used a bidet? I have not. Have you used a bidet? I have one on my toilet at home. Oh. I used it this morning. It was wonderful. Wow. I do, too. It's I wa- glorious. I can I come one. to your house and shit now? That, I mean, Only no. if I can be in the bathroom so I can talk you through it. I don't want you to mess it up. Oh, yeah. I would definitely feel comfortable you, with Nick coaching me. You need a spotter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude! They're like twenty five dollars on the internet. It, it's yeah, like apparently it's pretty easy to hook up, dude. Just, they're so easy. Yeah. It screws it's into the easy. same the same water connection that the toilet itself <laughs> is is screwed into. Are you having a Charlie horse over DJ, there? DJ's DJ dying. Step okay, out. great. But uh, no, it's he's screws. practicing butt wiping. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's bent over. Yeah, like it is kind of weird. I think about sometimes, like that we, I mean, we pretty much are just wiping with our hands, you know. Like, yeah, it's a thin little layer of whatever this is, paper, whatever. But we're pretty much just yeah, sticking the, our fingers in our buttholes. At the end of the day, you're scraping. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not that's not great. Yeah, it's not great. Why'd you have to? And you know, for a while, I was like a big wet wipe guy, but you know, have you heard just, about the the, the wet wipes and how it, yeah it fucks up the, the sewage system? Yeah, yeah. Right. Saw the fatbergs and I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, you monsters who are using those wet wipes, monsters, they fuck up the sewage system because they do not disintegrate like toilet yeah. paper does, and they accumulate and it mixes with all these other things that are going down drains, like fat from from cooking, yeah, and, and uh, like hy- hygiene products and stuff like that. And they make these fatbergs, is what they call them, <laughs> these giant masses of fat and these flushable wipes. That just ruin city yeah. sewer systems. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. Shitty move. There you go. <laughs> DJ, are you are you Where's okay? Okay. All What's right. So, um, I had a really good question for you about the uh, the the wind tunnel and skydiving. Did you notice a big difference in your flying when you came back to skydiving from from doing it so little but flying in the tunnel so much? Yeah, definitely. What um, what was different about it? Uh. I think uh, just the ability to kind of like be comfortable in any position, you know, um, and just being able to do things, you know, like I, I it would have been a lot easier if I had skydived a lot more while I was doing it because that's what, you know, helps you transition it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like even right now, like I'm starting to fun jump a lot more and like I'm still figuring out the differences, you know, like head up flying is way different with the rig on. But uh, it definitely changed a lot of things like video for sure, like my flying's a lot smoother with video and stuff. Like you know, backfly really easily with tandems and stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's it's had a huge impact on my flying. It's taught me everything I know so far now about free flying, flying my body. Did you notice? Uh, I've seen some videos of you getting pretty good at uh, some angle flying. Oh uh, yeah, Do yeah. You- I guess uh, it definitely. Yeah, definitely. I haven't done like really any like on the belly side, right? Like I've just not delved into that yet which is like my next goal for this, you know, season. But uh 
following people on my back, it definitely was a game changer. You got those you know? straight legs too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was banks. definitely, yeah, it was definitely like, because it was really hard for me. Uh, I had a lot of difficulty learning how to like properly like head down carve in the wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of low speed, just like straight leg back flying, you know, like back carving. And uh, it just really, really helped me with that body position and layouts. You know, I got really good at back layouts, you know. So that really like made it super easy actually for me. Uh, you know, of course, there's still like a bunch of like super fast people that are hard to keep up with, but it was a game changer, definitely. So when you're flying low speed, what's uh, what's low speed for you? Uh, I did most of my like carving training at like 67 to 69 percent. Okay, you know? that's pr- pretty slow. <laughs> 69. <laughs> hey, um, oh, yeah, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, it was pretty slow because like anytime I would like, you know, I'd be good at like the whole like butt back, you know, carving, you know, with my head looking straight back. Mm-hmm. But once I started to like engage the hips and get really straight, I would just like blast up, you know, I'd just start carving up to the ring, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just, so I'd just turn the wind down even more and make sure I couldn't really get off the net much until I got the body position right. And then slowly just started turning it up and learning how to kind of mix everything together. And, you know, uh, a lot of people get in there and just like learn by kind of like hucking it a few times and getting it right. But, you know, I was always super frustrated that I couldn't do that. But I guess the building blocks, the foundations really worked out for me. You know, like I almost feel like my way was a little bit better just drilling getting everything perfect before I start. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the big, the, wind. the big benefit about low-speed stuff Yeah, is when the wind is low and you don't do it right, it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Like you just fall down. Yeah, yeah, so you it's, gotta be. It's like it, 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 it makes you have that discipline to hold that position. Yeah. Otherwise, you just go... Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, you just sink right through it. Yeah, I, uh, I did a lot of low-speed stuff with really everything. Did a lot of low-speed, like, uh, head-up-ish carving, you know, like... That's how I learned how like to outface, you know, just mm-hmm. knee fly over the wall and kind of move sideways. See, that that slow speed knee fly is like my most coveted yeah. thing. I want it so bad and I have no fucking idea how to make yeah. it work. Like it, it looks hard. like a position that you shouldn't be able to go as slow as you can go. But you can go slow. But yeah. you can go really yeah. slow and then all you do is sit up and you go way fast. Yeah, yeah. You can just kind of change the... Talk, talk me through this setup of this low speed knee fly. Um, okay. I uh, I had a lot what, of trouble. What, is it, what does it look like for, the, for someone who might not know what I'm talking about? Okay. So it kind of looks like you're halfway, like slow speed knee flying. It looks like you're kind of hunched over on your belly. You kind of have your arms down like a monkey or something. And you do a knees. very good monkey impression. Yeah, yeah. Way. You know, if you guys have seen me do the ape, that's pretty much like, I guess that's why I was good at it, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're kind of like cupping your chest, you know, kind of like a, you're using the whole belly part of your body to kind of catch the air and your knees are like up under you, right? So it looks like a backslide. Like, are, are your feet still below your knees? Sometimes, like on the really like low speed stuff when I needed to like, I guess move forward a little bit. I would kind of like put my, my feet would be like up and behind me. So I kind of had that positive angle forward, mm-hmm. but usually they were kind of like pushed down, you know, like I was kind of doing the horsey still, ride still thing. wide saddle. Yeah. Yeah. The saddle thing, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird balance thing. And it's like the angle you're like leaning forward the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like a backslide, you know, I'd always watch people do it and I was really bad at it. So that's why I got really good at it. I just became obsessed and I would just sit in there in the wind all the time and just try to, you know, try to sit over there on the net and like get it. But uh, once you figure out, you know, how to balance it, it's it's so useful for how, everything. How many hours would you say you, you spent figuring this out? Oh, man. Um, are we talking one? Are we talking ten? Uh, we're talking probably like, 
Uh, I guess total. That's tough to tough to determine. Probably a couple hours uh, before I could actually do to, it to find a good neutral. Yeah, and then after that, like I still was always like practicing and working on it because it was never like perfect. You know, like it's just, it was kind of hard. But I spent a lot of time on it. Like I would just get in there. Like my buddies, you know, be like over there goofing off, like trying these weird like freestyle positions, and I would just be like. Trying not to backslide in my Watch me hold still like a monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Don't come near me. Watch my monkey ride the source. And eventually it turned into my (laughs) monkey. I started doing my monkey thing, you know, with it. Like I would, you know, be like sitting next to somebody that needed spotting or whatever. Did you take your shirt off? Yeah, yeah. You know, took my shirt off. No, I couldn't do that in the one time. Have you seen Blake's monkey impression? I have not. It's Oscar worthy. It's pretty good. I got to give my dad the credit, though, because it's just my dad's (laughs) thing that he taught me. Like We would do that together. Well, I mean, I bet your dad did it good. You do it real good. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I think it. you stepped it up. I think you've moved it to another level. I have. Uh, I've, I'm always improving. I'm always practicing. I haven't it, seen you your know. dad's monkey game, but <laughs> you put it to shame. I'm sorry. Man, it's uh, it's good. It's sorry, good. Papa Blazer out there. Papa Blazer. What's your dad's name? Mark Barton. Oh, Mark. Good old, old Mark. Mark, right, Mark, Mark Parrish Barton. Okay. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. Total segue. You had a Tennessee accent as a young man. Is that not true? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I I think I stopped having an accent when I was like ten or twelve years old. How much effort did that take? It took a lot of effort, you know, because I just didn't like the way I would like hear my voice and stuff. You know, I didn't like the way it sounded. And I think uh, the school I went to, like, there was a lot of kids that were more like preppy, you know, like rich kids. You know, not that I was. It was like a public school, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a lot of kids that like didn't talk like they were from Memphis at all. And I think being around those people really helped, you know, like kind of push shamed, it out of me. Shamed it right out of you. Shamed it <laughs> right out of me. Did you get made fun? So I, Tennessee and Alabama through fourth grade. Yeah. I moved to Japan at an American school where most people weren't from the South. Mm-hmm. And I got made so much fun of. People would comment about the accent. And it wasn't yeah. super bad, but it was enough that I was like, I don't want to talk like a redneck. Yeah, I never, you know, because I was, you know, around there it was normal, you know, so I never really got made fun of or anything. I'm sure if I went somewhere else, you know, and had a super deep accent, they'd probably give me some shit. But. Can, you, can you turn it right back on? Uh, well, hey, Mr. Blake, how was your day? Yeah, I, it's hard, you know. I have to really, I have to really think about it, you know. <laughs> my dad, I can just do an impression of my dad. Let's hear your dad. What, He's what? like, hey, boy. <laughs> Hey, boy, how you been? <laughs> Sound like my brother-in-law. He's from Tennessee. Yeah, I just cut the yard the other day. <laughs> Looks pretty good, don't it? I don't know. It, was just, it wasn't super, you know, a little, little from Tennessee, but it was just like a southern, you know, little. Uh, my family that's from Mississippi, like most of my other half of the family is from Indianola, Mississippi, and they have real thick accents, you know. Well, like I, my mamma, she talks like, hey, Blake, how you doing? My sister's name's Chelsea. <laughs> she calls her Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea, you got to put that T in there. Chelsea, yeah, yeah. It's literally like she puts a, two syllables in there, <laughs> just three syllables, the and then puts a T in there. Yeah, yeah. You got a killer Forrest Gump impression, though, don't you? I got a pretty good Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Since number one, I was not hungry but thirsty, and number two, they was free. I must have had me about fifteen Dr. Peppers. Uh, that shit's good. I ate some. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it comes back pretty easy. Yeah, he lied. Yeah. No, dude, that's no, all that's Forrest just Gump. that's just an impression. That's yeah, Forrest that's, Gump, dude. Uh, <laughs> Straight up, it actually kind of is hard to just talk normal and have that accent. I, I have uh, to be saying something from the movie or something. I moved here to to Texas. I said y'all, and I very quickly got accused, like, "Oh, you pick up the y'all right away." I'm like, mm, "It's the one thing I never could lose." Yeah. 
in Tennessee, now, no matter where I lived in the wor- world, y'all was a word. I think y'all is a great word. It's I think it's I think it's more widespread than we think. I I, I do, and yeah. people still associate to the southern yeah, southern yeah. draw. But it's a uh, dude. You sounded like my brother in law when you did the the Tennessee. He yeah. he is from the Knoxville area. Yeah, He's yeah, from Knoxville. I, yeah, I definitely like can tell also where somebody's from around the South. You know, like I know if you're from like the you know the Georgia, yeah, like Georgia, Alabama for sure, and Mississippi. Like I can definitely tell, um, and Tennessee for sure. Like one of these guys uh, was a level one at FITP, and he was over at Tampa for a couple of weeks, and he just like taking his first classes. And I was talking to him, and I was like, "You're either from North Georgia or like South." eastern tennessee and he was like yeah i'm from uh knoxville tennessee i was like all right still got it still yeah, got still that. Got not it. too far off yeah. yeah man you ever spend any time in knoxville area oh yeah i love it that's yeah. actually where i worked at chick-fil-a man knoxville yeah. I went to college there gorgeous yeah. park what's good about knoxville uh why do i want to visit tennessee so that's the good side of tennessee right like that's where we would like Preacher i wish brother. i was from you know because like west tennessee where i'm from it's just a bunch of i mean of course like it all has its own, you know, charms and stuff. Like I love, oh, like racism. Yeah, yeah, you Rear know, there's a lot of a lot of hate, you know. <laughs> uh, but mainly, it was like cotton fields and woods. You know, that's all we had. You know, it was just flat, like woods. You know, we had like some rivers and lakes. But uh, East Tennessee is where the mountains are. It's like the Appalachians. You know, so it's really nice. Like there's Knoxville, Chattanooga. There's a bunch of stuff to do out there. There's climbing and stuff out there. Have you ever heard of Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg? Oh nope. yeah. No, oh my god. Yeah. It's the foothills of the Smoky Mountains setting down the Appalachians and like see these colors on the bottom left of this poster that I see with? I see those. The red, Shout orange, out to the Shout you can drive. I love driving in the fall in the hills oh, of yeah. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Everything is orange and red and and yellow. It's just gold and it's beautiful. Yeah. This it's hill- like when I look in the mirror. Yeah, golden oh. and beautiful. <laughs> Orange and red and yellow. And beautiful. Beautiful golden boy. Very pale. Yeah, super gorgeous, man. There's a lot of great mountains. Supple. There's a lot of great hiking and falls around the area. Yeah, great hiking. Uh, my family, we would go to Gatlinburg like once a year since I was a baby. You know, like so I've been there like 30 times. You know? Yeah, super it was, gorgeous. Part. It was great. Yeah, we we really saw like the little, like the downtown Gatlinburg like evolve, you know, mm-hmm. from 20 years ago. But yeah, East Tennessee, like it's great. If you ever been around there, do you'll you know. you can go to Dollywood? What else do you need? Dollywood, <laughs> man. Yeah, you know what that is? Dolly Parton. Yeah, you know who Dolly Parton. Yeah, is? I, know, I love Dolly Parton. Yeah, it's a theme park. It's a Dolly Parton theme park. It's called Dollywood. Well, my mom was a big Dolly Parton <laughs> fan. <laughs> she had some take old bitties. God, she's got those <laughs> like monsters. monsters. Yeah. Also, <laughs> <laughs> let's get a look at these warlocks. <laughs> look at these warlocks. warlocks. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, that's the thing we do. What's your favorite yeah. movie? Uh, I was going to say we could sit here and quote some movies. Uh, my favorite movie? That's tough, man. That's you, a really hard question. Do either of you know what movie that's from? I've got to get a look at these warlocks. No. Talking about Oof. some titties? No. no. I even can see the brisk walk they do after yeah. saying mm-hmm. that. Didn't even know it was from a movie. Super bad. Yeah, that's super oh, bad. Okay. That's a great one. Dude, my ability to remember movies apparently is total ass. Yeah, some people have it. Some people don't. About I can quote 20, a movie about easy. 15 years ago, I was great at it. Yeah. And somewhere in the last 15 years, man, my ability to quote movies has just gone downhill. I think there's just uh, less quotable movies in the last 15 years. Gosh, I don't know, man. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Yeah, I feel like that was like the end of an era, you know? You, like, th- you think? 
I don't know. God, well, we'll, fuck, you might be right. I can't think of a more recent movie than that than I yeah, that, that I like quote. I regularly quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie like I think it might be an age and frequency of watching movie thing. Maybe because for me, it ended in the mid to late nineties is when I can stop quoting movies. I think Night of Roxbury is one of the last movies I can quote. <laughs> I was gonna say like it's always like some kind of Saturday Night Live, like you know, like the guys from SNL. You know, yeah, it's always yeah, like shitty Will but Ferrell, hilarious yeah, comedy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like uh, Austin Powers was like when it first started. Yeah. Like when I first started really getting into <sighs> the the stupid hilarious movies. The original Austin Powers, Mike Myers was great. He was a he was a great sketch comedy guy. I feel like we've talked about Mike Myers before because I remember bringing up him and Kanye West being on TV together for the Hurricane Katrina relief. Do you remember <laughs> this? I don't, but I don't remember a lot. Of well, they're, they're on screen together, and you can tell that Mike Myers is like saying the script that this like hurricane relief fund or whoever has given him to say. <laughs> yeah. And he's supposed to be doing half of it, and Kanye West is doing the other half of it. And Kanye is just going off about whatever. Like, I was like, I'm trying to give all this money. And I asked my, my manager, how, you know, what's the most money I can give? And then you see Mike Myers get this little bit of a panic look on his face. And Mike <laughs> says his next line. And then it goes back to Kanye. And he's like, that's when he says, George W. Bush does not care about black people. Yeah. And then you just see <laughs> Mike Myers' face go totally fucking blank. Like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. That was not part of what we were trying to communicate at all. <laughs> yeah, that's no, hilarious. Totally lost me on that one. Like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it's fine that you don't care about black people either. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and George W. go hang out over there. Yeah, why don't you guys go fucking fly over some more flooded hurricane zones? I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think i heard what your favorite movie was i started talking i'm still about movie still brainstorming i don't know um uh, i guess it'd probably have to be like if it was like a stupid funny movie um it might be uh grandma's boy really oh, yeah. yes that's yeah, yeah. not my yeah, favorite it's, movie it's probably awesome. like yeah like i'll grandma's boy and uh hot rod were like two of my hot favorite. rod's a good one yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. way too high to drive to the devil's house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drive monkey drive play my head monkey <laughs> <laughs> that's nick swartzen uh nick swartzen is in yeah, grandma's he's, boy he's yeah, guy yeah. blow yeah <laughs> Uh, that's Shiloh? where uh, that's where I get the uh, let's do it thing from, you know. Like oh, if ever so. I'm ever like let's do it, I'll be like the skydive, not sex, you know, because he's <laughs> like they're talking about finishing the video game levels, and he's like let's do it. And everybody looks at him, and he's like the levels, not sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have to re- revisit movie. that one. It's a great one. Oh, it's a that's phenomenal a really movie. good one. I JP actually... always doing his robot shit. Please yeah. sit yeah. on my face. <laughs> How did he see me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious now that we're there. I don't know. What is yours? Your favorite movie? God, dude, that's a hard. It's hard to narrow it down. I yeah, can give you a was, list of like five. It was tough. I would say Wedding Crashers is right up there. Uh, yeah, Step Brothers, good. Anchorman, <laughs> Old School. And then, Step man, Brothers is good, up there for me. Goodwill Hunting is also a very Phenomenal. quotable movie yeah, for yeah. me. And that that is going to bring my sixth. The Departed is also over. I, uh, I like the Boston accent. Yeah, yeah. How do you like them apples? <laughs> I got a number. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, movies. You went out all the way out in the fucking rain. You didn't bring the number? <laughs> I like, like It was the, your mother's 800 number. I just ran out of quarters. <laughs> I like, like, Why don't the, we get off the, of mother's? I just got off of yeah, yours. I was going to say See, that. I'll, I could keep going. <laughs> the, I just got off of yours. <laughs> the first one I could think about quoting was Pulp Fiction. That's one that's a good I one. Oh, yeah. always watch, and I could quote start to 
uh, start to end. And I really like Pulp Fiction because it's like there are four or five different movies in yeah. that movie. Yeah. Well, I love all Quentin Tarantino movies, but yeah. that one like really stands out. What's the new one he just had come out? Uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've yeah. heard it's great. I've heard it's like it the best Quentin Tarantino style Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, I man. guess. I really liked it. I haven't you know? seen it. Uh, uh, it was, you know, way slower than most of his stuff, you know, but it like really had a good build up. It was kind of like uh, me and Brockton saw it together and we didn't realize until afterwards that it's kind of like based off of the uh, the Charles Manson like murders, right? Like that. Who was it? Sharon, whatever her name was, they got stabbed, you know, by like his followers or whatever in the 60s. And uh, it was kind of loosely, you know how you like, it's loosely based off of stuff, you know, yeah, like, like, hey, this thing happened and we're going to make up a fake story. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, oh, yeah, we killed Hitler in a theater and, you know, burned it, you know, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. <laughs> he laughs, laughs at this. But, for, like, <laughs> that, but that's Inglorious Bastards, that movie yeah, where like, I haven't seen that. They yeah, did, that yeah. I love that one. They too, did not yeah. murder Hitler and like that's not historically yeah, accurate. Yeah. You know? They just kind of change it up. Yeah. 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 The other ones I would say, like, stupid funny ones, Super Troopers. Oh, yeah. Yep. One of my top, Fuck for yeah. sure, yeah. and Anchorman. You boys like Mexico! <laughs> <laughs> you guys like Beer Fest? Taste like snozberries. Yeah. Beer Fest is one I of actually, my favorites. I've Those done a strikeout before. Yeah? Back in high school. Wow, yeah. all right. Cool. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah, that's a great one. I don't know that I've ever seen Beer Fest. Beer oh, Fest man. is great. Isn't who? They do a bunch of, uh, it's the Super Troopers guys. Broken Lizard. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, like, Will Forte is in it. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Don't they combine two sports? Is that what I remember? Uh, beer Fest is... No, you're thinking of basketball. Basketball. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly what I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, man. Basketball, anything made by Trey Parker and Matt Stone is going to be great. Yeah, that's, that's Team America. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Team America is great because it's just like literally like Trey Parker's voice the whole time. I promise know, like, I will never You have die. to live on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Movies are great. God, man. I love movies. Yeah. Man, hearing Jesus. your favorite movies almost makes me feel older. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Night at the Roxbury will always be there for me. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. Real Genius. Yeah. Has anybody seen that? Yes, I love that yeah. movie too. Killer yeah. movie. Um, uh, 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 Spaceballs. Spaceballs right. yes. is funny, yeah. Have you seen Blazing Saddles? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I forgot about how did I not mention Blazing Saddles? You boys Saddles. look like a bunch of Kansas City faggots. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody move or the get <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Did he say the sheriff's near? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a Mel Brooks movie, yeah. right? Yeah, Mel Brooks stuff was good. Talk about Pioneer. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he started all that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he might have been the start of like the Anchorman era kind of movies. You know? I saw an interview where he said he hired Richard Pryor just because he wanted to be able to say the N-word and get permission. <laughs> That's great. Get that. So you had to have Richard Pryor yeah, as a, you or as a writer. So you get the N-word pass. pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Men in Tights was really funny. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. That was another Mel Brooks movie. That was Mel Brooks? Yeah, I think I he directed that. that. Yeah. You've got the magic box. Oh, you tell okay. us. That sounds yeah, like he's see. a prostitute. You've got, got the, the magic. magic stick. Got that magic box. Yeah, yeah. So what's I'm coming up for you? Box. Oh, that's a great skit. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'm going to open the box. That's what's coming up for me. <laughs> Step one. I, who would have ever thought some of the greatest... Yeah, directed by Mel Brooks. ...talents and, and actors in our time would be Marky Mark, although some people would argue about that. Yeah. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. And fucking the guy from NSYNC. Is that what he was from, Justin Timberlake? Or is it... Yeah, he wasn't NSYNC, yeah. Backstreet Boy. I don't no, know. He was NSYNC, yeah. Who Timberflake. Timberflake. Who would have thought those would have been some of the greats? So you're yeah. back in Houston now. You're working. Yeah. Um, 
what's the goal for the next couple of years for Blake? I'm kind of like at a spot right now where I don't really have much of a plan. You know, I'm just kind of playing it by ear. I'm trying to just enjoy my time right now. And I think, uh, uh, I don't think, you know, by any means, um, the sport, you know, I don't think I'm going to leave skydiving, but I think I might in the next few years reach my expiration date on working full time in the sport. Um, I might try to, you know, get some kind of cool job where I can go be a customer in the sport, you know, like travel around to all the camps and boogies that I never got an opportunity to be involved in and like start doing some bigger stuff in the sky. I think the only way for me to do that is really uh, make a little bit of money somewhere. And It's hard because so many people think, man, I can skydive all the time if I skydive full time. Yeah. But really it is a great exchange. You skydive all the time, but you don't get to do what you want. Yeah. You're not like pushing yourself in the areas like you're going to get to work a lot. I mean, yeah, if you want to swoop, then maybe, you know, it's a good idea. But, um, yeah, like you're, you still gotta, you gotta pay for those fun jumps, you know, and you gotta pay for all the, the training and the coaching and camps and tunnel time and all that. And, you know, it's not the easiest place to do that. And usually those great training arenas are happening while you need to be throwing drogues or shooting video and being yeah, yeah, they're in the the heat of the busy season, yeah, yeah. definitely. So I want to go back quite a bit to the beginning of the show about your guilt. I really want you to feel bad today. My white guilt, your white <laughs> guilt and privilege. <laughs> so one of the things you said is you feel guilty about not being able to help out. Yeah, the thing that people forget about is you shooting video and being there available regularly to shoot video frees up Carlos to do that STP jump. Yeah, definitely. You being yeah. able to shoot video allows somebody else to do a tandem. So just because you're not helping out in a direct way doesn't mean you're not a huge asset in other ways. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and I want other people to realize that too, man. Just because you're not doing everything somebody else does doesn't mean you're not as valuable of a team member. Yeah, right. No doubt a thicker resume is helpful. Yeah. It's very easy for somebody to apply to a job and go, I have all the ratings. Yeah. And they'll get the job. Yeah, right. But be there every day. Work hard every day. Show up every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I try to try to do as much as I can outside of, you know, just the scope of shooting video. So it's, you know, I guess I am a little bit of a useful member of the team. But uh, it's more like, you know, just uh, personal reasons, you know, like I guess I feel, uh, I don't know, I just feel like I should be able to, you know, have a different, I want to be able to like change my mindset, you know, like, and I just get frustrated about that. Um but yeah, I just like I just think uh, right now I've just got to be nice to myself and kind of you know go on autopilot, like kind of cruise along, you know, yeah. just do what but I want to do. I know another guy who shoots only video and that's all he does, and he's a phenomenal asset to his friends. Although he can be an asshole regularly, <laughs> he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I know this exactly guy, what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he can be short sometimes, and I'm not talking about his height. <laughs> 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 and I really mean that, uh, not his height. Um, but, dude, it's a good example of that you can do a job and do it really well and be a super valuable yeah, part yeah. of what's going on. Definitely, yeah. Nick really uh, puts in the extra work and he goes, you know, he's kind of an inspiration for me. You know, I'm like, if I'm just sitting around not doing anything, I'm like, what would Nick be doing right now? Push-ups. Yeah. Man, that's a, <laughs> really, that's a really flattering thing to say, man. Yeah, no, I really, yeah. yeah I really, uh, really always have, like, uh, looked up to you as, you know, someone, you know, you were, like, the manager of the video department, you know, kind of would always, like mimic the way i do things day to day like after the way well, you do that's it. that's very nice of you to say oh, yeah you're well but i uh you got a great dick I, too. <laughs> thank you it's handsome <laughs> where's a bow tie <laughs> but you know in my time there it's it's really fun to have seen people uh do a better job than me in the in the, the as far as like flying video goes yeah it's great to have seen someone who showed up with 
a lesser skill set and then through you know input from the entire team and just being around uh in a place where everyone's trying to do their best job yeah and watching people get better than me at shooting video right and yeah. that, that makes me feel even better about it yeah that's awesome yeah i definitely have taken a lot of my the way i do things everywhere else now is a lot of the stuff i've learned here you know Steal shit, man. Yeah. That's what you got to do. If you ain't stealing, you ain't trying. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. (laughs) You got to, I mean, really, you got to, you got to be stealing from each other. Yeah. And I think for, for shooting video, I think that there's a big element of like just awkward discomfort to get through when you first start pointing that camera a foot from somebody's face and asking them what can be kind of silly questions Uh and how fucking uncomfortable it can still get when someone's just not going with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like some. 24 year old douchebag who just doesn't want to have any fun and is totally <laughs> not letting you do your interview yeah just not responding yeah. in the way just, you want him to he's just at all. not having yeah. it the sarcastic one word answers or like yeah. totally wrong answers it's like hey man it's your video <laughs> i get it do whatever you want but yeah but then it kind of throws me off like i have like a script you know that i kind of like i have certain like pre-programmed responses sometimes it'll throw me for a loop you know just be like all right you know like uh, that one girl that I told to have fun <laughs> after we got done with the skydive. <laughs> I was like, all right, instead of like, thanks for coming out. I always say like, have fun. I'll see you outside in the airplane. And I started, I was like, all right, thanks for coming to Spaceland. Have fun. <laughs> I just like, That's I just, good. I like I mean, looked at her, like, you know, and she like looked at me and I was like, all right. Yes. <laughs> Turned the video off. I walked away. <laughs> this dude's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get those weird, you know, it's like public speaking, you know? Yeah. But sometimes your brain... I mean, I've said my, you know, I think we're all similar that we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to say, what we're going to ask and what the responses will be. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy to get lost in like, you know, you overhear another conversation that's happening in the airplane. Yeah, you lose and track. And now you're just kind of lost in, in what you, oh, did I say that part already? And then you might repeat yourself. In a oh, really yeah. I've repeated way. things plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, what was really hard for me was teaching the classes at iFly. Like, you know, you go in that little classroom and there's like, you know, sometimes 12 people in there and you got to like teach them like a five minute, you know, class. And sometimes I would just say the same thing that I already talked about, you know. Or are they still doing the longer video in Tampa or did they do the, the short video? Um, they were still doing the, I don't think they had changed it. With, with Chris Dixon? Yeah, with Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he comes out and he like awkwardly takes his goggles and stuff I off. have over 5,000 hours in the yeah. wind tunnel, so. <laughs> And everybody would call me Chris, you know, because of the video. Really? Like, yeah, people would like, they'd be like, people are going to call you Chris because they'll just call, you know, they'll be like, oh, Chris. Oh, every title instructor <laughs> has that name. <laughs> That's reasonable. Aren't you guys named Chris? Yeah, yeah you, you press the play button. Surely you were yeah. the one in the video. <laughs> you but, look nothing like Chris. Yeah, I know, right? No, okay. not at all. I'm just, no. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> So, man, as we come into a close, as we start coming to a wrap, one of the things you talked about was burnout. Yeah. You felt like you started burning out. And I, I want anybody in this room to speak of this because I think we've all been there at a point. What advice would you give somebody? What worked best for you when you saw that burnout coming? Um, I really had to uh, start teaching myself to just have fun again. You know, a lot of my, you know, coming close to getting burned out was like uh, last few years, I've like really started to put the pressure on myself, you know, because I wanted to progress in a certain way. And I had like goals of how skilled I wanted to be, you know, in the sky and under canopy and stuff. And I just started, it started to like become less fun just because I was like really so focused on, you know, performance and not having fun. So I think that was like the biggest, the biggest turning point for me and why I just started coming back to doing what I love to do, you know, um, was just to take the the pressure off myself. Nick, what about you? Have you faced burnout? Oh yeah. I've seen that shit. 
<laughs> and what it, usually for me it's uh it's kind of a value thing that i'm i start to feel like i'm giving in too much and that i start to resent others for not contributing on what i feel is an equal level and you know i'm i'm fully putting myself in that situation like i'm the one who's like hey i'm gonna be in a race with everyone else and i'm the only one that knows that we're racing and then i'm gonna get mad that no one's trying to keep up yeah so it's like a, it's kind of a self-sabotaging situation to put myself into and so when i realize i'm doing that and i when i, when I realize i'm not feeling uh valued the short the shortest way out of it for me is to start telling other people what i value about them of like, uh, hey man, yeah. you're you're really good at this, dude. Thank you for for doing. You know, thank you for working hard today. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Just acknowledging other people for uh, for their hard work makes me feel. It just makes that feeling go away when I start to value others. Yeah, definitely. The people in the sport too really have you know like I've made some really good close friends over the years. You know, and that they've really helped me. You know, kind of turn stuff around. You know, I met some good people at the Wind Tunnel in Tampa. Uh, just you know, the people in the sports. What I you know, kind of rely on nowadays, just the community and stuff. I, I do think you deserve a lot of credit for the change in mindset that I, that I've seen you have. Yeah, well, I think I really I, appreciate I, that you can notice. You, you know, you, I would say several years ago, the Blake I knew was a pretty negative Nelly. Oh yeah, I always and struggled with a lot of that Debbie stuff. Debbie Downer, yeah. yeah. I still struggle with a lot of it, but you know, it's like an active. You yeah, know. but I mean, I see you putting effort into it. Yeah, thanks. and and whether I mean, from an outside perspective, it could be argued that you're just pretending to be happier yeah or it could fully be argued that no he's just fucking putting effort into being happier. yeah yeah right and sometimes it works and sometimes you're putting in the effort right yeah yeah but man it's uh it's really good to see you in uh mentally a, a better place yeah good thanks man I, I really feel pretty good about it too you know um yeah i mean my thing was also you know like if it doesn't get better just keep pretending you know like just smile you know and like fake it till you make it you know and it kind of worked you know i just eventually started smiling more and you know um, are, are you familiar with the movie Gladiator? Oh yeah. He says, are you not uh, entertained? He says uh, a, a wise man once told me that uh, what is it? Death smiles at us all. All a man can do is smile back. Yeah. And yeah. then Joaquin Phoenix stabs, stabs him in the back. Yeah, stabs him, and then goes and tries to battle him in front of everybody, and still yeah. gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. It's my dad's favorite movie. Is that true? Yeah, Mark Barton's favorite movie. Holler, Mark Barton! Shout yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Daddy. <laughs> Love you, Papa. So, what was there uh, a certain trick that that started working for you? Like, how how did you start having this more positive mindset? Um, I think I just uh, I just knew that I had to. You know, I was you know a few years ago, like I've always like struggled with some like depression and stuff growing up. You know, and uh, a few years ago, like I didn't really tell a lot of people where I was, you know, mentally, and I kind of got into a really bad place. You know, and I was in a spot where like it was my only option. You know, like I had to had to change some things i had to change my mindset or it was just going to keep going down the toilet bowl you know and so it was just i think it was just a, a huge burning desire to change you know that like i wasn't enjoying a lot of things i used to enjoy and uh, another you know kind of aspect of me kind of getting burned out on the sport you know and uh, it was just something that i really didn't enjoy and i was like well no matter what i do if i have this mindset i'm going to be miserable in anything i do you know so just started trying to you know, the big thing was like, uh, being a little bit less of a dick to people, you know, like that really helped a lot, you know, like just being nicer to everybody, you know, even if I don't really like somebody, you know, just kind of, you know, being a little bit more genuine to them and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's still an ongoing process, but I'm just, uh, just trying to keep my head above water, you know? 
it's a never ending battle and, and really it's insightful for me to hear some of y'all's answers, both you and Nick. Yeah. Because for me, burnout is something I can face regularly and I would say at times that diversity and diversification is what helped me with burnout. And it was like, well, man, I only do tandem, so I'm going to do more. I only do this. I'm going to do more. And and if you know me in my life today, diversified by far is something I am. I'm, I'm doing too many things at once sometimes, not yeah. in a bad way. That's fun for me. Um, but really, a couple things that, that y'all say help me is, Nick, I really haven't thought about this much. But one thing that I've really come to learn over the last several years is to not necessarily praise or respect people for what they do, which I agree with what you say, but to truly understand that. You know, I'm not just saying, oh, Nick, you do a good job with editing video. I say it with a sincerity. I say it with an appreciation. Like, man, I really think, you know, when I'm in Manifest, I I thank the girls every time I deal with them. You know, hey, hey, can I have this? Yes, thank you. Yeah. At the end of the day, I thank them for whatever, because a lot of times those girls hustle hard, especially when I'm running courses. They do a lot of weird things that I need done. Yeah, it's tough. So to have that true appreciation um, really replaces my frustration, and, and, and I really don't know if I've put two and two together until you said what you just said. And, you know, our buddy Hank has really struggled with happiness, and one of the things I've told him over the years is you'll never find happiness. You have to make it. Yeah. I agree with that. And it's so cool to see you making it every day now. Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty much where I'm at, you know. I'm not nothing's going to happen, you know. Yeah. Just got to make it happen. And the one thing that I know is I ultimately can't make me happy. Oh, I really have figured that out. I ultimately cannot make me happy. So what I've have learned is making Nick happy makes me happy. Yeah. Making Blake happy makes me happy. So doing that idea of saying, "Hey, Justin, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your help." And truly meaning it and making sure they're happy. Ultimately, that has helped me tremendously with burnout and has helped me with, with depression. I, I don't face depression a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just actually a very foreign conversation for me. And Nick helped me a lot through it. And, and if you are facing depression, man, find a friend who you think can empathize. Yeah. And, and Nick, I don't know if I ever said it out loud, but thank you very much for helping me through those doldrums those days. Hey, man, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like to think... That I'm someone who uh, is easy to talk to and is good at keeping private things private. And that I try to give thoughtful advice and not just try and tell people what, you know, what the polite thing to say or whatever it is that you think they might want to hear. Yeah. That maybe a little bit of a, <laughs> that maybe I've got the personality to give a little bit of brutal honesty when, it's, when it's necessary. Yeah. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm super happy to be there for you when the... Yeah. When those times come. I hope I never need you like that again with respect and love to you, but I just, I don't want to be in that dark place again. And that was rare for me. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, for you, for me to tell you, I fought with depression for a little while. It's probably something that would shock you a little bit. Yeah. Um, And it was a solid six month difficult process for me. And not everybody saw it as well. But at the end, I think they did. Yeah. So, man, I, I really love hearing it. Um, as we get wrapping out and before the power goes out one more time, anything <laughs> else you want to share with Mark Barton or the rest of your friends and family out there in, in the interweb land? Uh, not that I can think of. Uh, you know, uh, if anybody's listening, you know, the old crew, the old Alvin boys or anything. Oh, yeah, man, I love all those. I love all you guys. The I miss tribe. everybody. The tribe, man. <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot of people that uh, I know might be listening that I haven't seen in a long time. I love all you guys. I miss you guys. Everybody out there in Oceanside and stuff. Um, but no, I mean, I'm just uh, stoked to have been here, man. It's been great. It's been fun talking with you guys, hanging out. 
Dude, thank you for coming to hang out. Guys and gals, keep an eye out soon. We are going to have the Gravity Lab Film Festival trailer rolling. Nick has been sharing his little tips, his little tricks, what's going on. Uh, it's been looking super dope, and I can't wait to share what Nick has done with the world. Mr. P, Mr. G, what y'all got? Yeah, it's Film Festival. Uh, I think that's that's really the only news I've got. Cool. Guys and gals, next week I am on the road. I will be at Skydive Spaceland Dallas. We will be running a special on-the-road edition with Grumpy Cat Ben hosting or uh, producing with me. Oh, we no. will be interviewing uh, the Hugs girl, for Ben. Hugs for Ben. Uh, the Captured Sky Gal, uh, Michelle. I will not pronounce her right name right. Uh, last name right and then we will be back the week after with Alethea uh, she is with a tech so text will be here as well so a couple of good weeks coming up we will see you guys then thunder go away boom Blake has a gray penis <laughs> <laughs> everyone should go buy a mattress at gallery furniture because when the Astros win the world series it will be free boom wow is it a mattress or is it $3,000 worth of product? At least $3,000 worth of mattress. Okay. I wonder if people are still listening to this part. I don't think many people make it this How part. now, brown cow? Uh, DQ probably did. Good night, DQ. The DQ. arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> the human torch was denied a bank You guys want to hear DQ's laugh? <laughs> <laughs>